everyone, welcome to episode 590 of Conversation Street, the Coronation Street podcast with me, Gemma. And me, Michael. Today we're talking about the episodes broadcast in the UK between the 21st and the 25th of August. That's episodes... I can never remember what this <laughs> is. 11,037 to 11,043. That's good. It's on the year put, five curriculum. Don't you might read them, big numbers like that, that. Sorry. Yeah. And what are you, European? <laughs> um, we are, we're a bit, a bit late today, aren't we? Sorry, everybody, for being late. Hopefully not too much late, but, you know, to celebrate Corrie Pride camping it up in yesterday's oh, episode. Yeah, we went. We've been camping out ourselves. We've been... We've been yeah, we've we been did it on pub. We did it specifically. Obviously. For no, that pun. Not really. Um, where have we, we've been to Kent, haven't we? Which yeah, is we in the posh Kent. southeast of the country. God, it was bit posh, wasn't it? <laughs> we, we had, when was the last, I don't remember when the last time was that we've been in a tent. It's like three, four years maybe for me. Oh, well, yeah. You, you, you do your more regular camper. I love camping. I, do you know what really annoys me? People that don't like camping. Tell me, Gemma, what annoys you? Just if what, if what someone doesn't week? like camping, as soon as the word camping gets mentioned, you know, me, like, it's like, it's like the um, holiday version of, of a vegan. <laughs> no offence to vegans, but like any time, any time camping is brought up, if somebody doesn't like camping, they have to tell you immediately. It's like com- a compulsion. Like, oh, oh, sorry to hear you're going camping. It was fun. Well, it's all right. You're not. You're not coming, so you don't need. I don't need. We you had to a comment. nice time. You, you were saying you've been saying for a few months that you kind of got the urge to pitch. A well, tent. I love camping. It's just again. It it uh, feeds the um the little girl in me that really loved reading Famous Five for all the times they went to like go and. Um, to some remote spot and then Anne would go and set up a pantry in a cave <laughs> and then they'd eat uh, eat um, uh, cake with a ginger beer uh, on a stone. I, I like camping when we're there. Um, I don't really enjoy the setting up and putting away of it. That kind of really sucks. That takes it's, us... It takes hours. It's because we have so much stuff. We had a whole love, boot full of stuff. It's because I love buying The whole of the boot in the back seat was full of I don't know what. But we kind of <laughs> needed most of it. We had a gazebo. We had a big big pissing picnic basket. We had a little kitchen there. We had a kitchen. gas can. I'm trying to think of what we didn't use. A waterproof tent. Yeah, we didn't have a waterproof tent. <laughs> Thank you. We, we we posted a picture on Wednesday night on us on, on Twitter saying, "Oh look, we're going camping. We're not watching Curry tonight." Um, and, and, like? and and lots of people said, "Oh, I hope you have a lovely lots time." Of... <laughs> you still got a couple uh, of people going, "Oh, R.I.P." Yeah, we we did to an extent have a lovely time, but we also woke up on Thursday morning um, with a few drips on us, and you were like, <laughs> Don't, "It's just condensation. It's fine." It's I don't know. As as the morning and the day went on, <laughs> it it turned out that we do have a leaky tent. Quite, it's fairly old. Is it old? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's about five or six to years last old. For. Um, yeah, if you're a tent-loving person, you're a tenter. If you're a, if you're a tenter, that's what people and you know. That's, that's what, what we call it. call it. If you're a tenter, spray your tent with anti-waterproof spray. No, you don't not, want anti-waterproof. Oh no, waterproof spray. spray. That's not good. You <laughs> I haven't think used that's it what for we, one. I think that's where we Maybe went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because as, yeah, as Thursday went on, just more and more water was coming into the tent because it was rather stormy. It was thundering, and uh, we we had to go out and we bought a bit. Oh, we we went to the we went to a shop, didn't we? Do you want to say? Yes, do you want to do you want to have a rant about our our spray buying story? Because um, you you felt quite um quite peeved about what happened there, didn't you? Oh, it's just really annoying. No, I don't really want to talk about it. We tried to buy an aerosol can of waterproofing spray, got to the till, the lady was like, oh, have you got any ID? And I thought, what do you need? Why? She said, oh, I can't go any further. If you buy an aerosol, you need to... Like, I'm 40. I'm definitely, you know, I, It's raining. The age. Look outside, lady. It's raining. I need waterproof I look, spray. I look scruffy. 
You can tell I'm What camping. do you think might be going on here? She's like, no, no, I... So well, I was she like, couldn't okay. do it. So I went back to... She couldn't do it. I know, it's not her fault. Well, I had to go back to the car where I'd left my wallet, look through it. Nope, don't have my driving licence in there because we'd taken it out to put it together with all the stuff when we went to France Have you put it month. back now? No, still not. Okay. So then went back... The so list. couldn't even okay. do that. And then we went halfway back and was like, oh, what about Gemma? Have you got yours? So then we went back to no, the car again. No, nope, Gemma didn't get her ID either. So then we had to go back to the to the tent shop and we got a little squirty bottle of it. So it's fine, but then we couldn't even use it because it carried on raining. It wasn't even supposed to rain on Thursday, according to the to forecast. So we ended up buying a massive tarpaulin, stretching that over the top of the tent, and it worked. Yeah, it worked. It, it was fine. And luckily, fortunately, it was nice and sunny on Friday morning, so everything dried out before we packed it away. But... And I'm sure you're thrilled and really interested in this very long story about what, what we've been up to the last few days. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking about our lovely listeners. Everything turned out okay in the end. We had a nice time. It's just like Carnation we, Street. And we had a long drive back. It was, what, four and a half hours away, maybe, was it? it? It's not four and a half hours away. It's two and a half hours away. It just took us that long. But the traffic... No, it's because that road is ridiculous. Mm. Is that Anyway, no one cares about that. And then we got back oh. and we were too tired to do a podcast. So that's why we're recording late today. It takes about two hours to set everything up and put everything away. Mm. Which um, is a long time, but I don't mind it at all. You prefer packing away. I prefer, I prefer setting up. Yeah. So we both have a, a nice time. Yeah. <laughs> One um, way or the other. And what... I was just going to say, we, we do have another little camping trip planned out for two weeks' Maybe. time. Possibly. If it rains, But we'll have a different tent that time. Yeah, we're going to have a different tent. It's yeah, much so it easier. Be okay. It's okay. It, that will take, literally, it takes five minutes for that tent up. It's the best tent ever. And hopefully that's not going to affect our podcasting either. Um, so. What was I going um, to say? So that, that Hang on. That. We went there because I wanted to go to Pluckley, the, the England's most haunted village. Oh, I didn't Michael, see Michael, did ghosts. you see a ghost? No. no. Sad. Just heard stories, unfortunately. It's very, it was very exciting. Although I think it was also England's steepest village. I didn't like that bit. <laughs> I wouldn't have bothered if I'd known it was involved. <laughs> Do you think all the ghosts of people that died walking up the hill? <laughs> um, there were some bloody nice houses there, they weren't there, and a really nice pub. I wish we'd been able to eat there, but sadly, no. No. We're no. on a budget. Um, anyway, but listen, on. everybody, if you hear, if you're hearing this, please can you tweet us to remind Michael to get his. Get, get our driving licences and put them back in our wallets because yeah. we're going to forget. I'm definitely going to forget Michael that. forgets everything. We had many, many arguments about the things that he forgot over the weekend. <laughs> uh, well, not the weekend. Which caused us great inconvenience. Anyway, um, <laughs> what else did we have happen? Oh, speaking of, you know, going out and exploring places, this week was where we published our Coronation Street yeah. locations map. So if you've been this on a holiday, fun. whether you've been camping or not... You can enjoy looking at the sites around Manchester and in Manchester. I don't think you can camp in Manchester. Um, Possibly not. (laughs) Possibly not. No. Um, You can go and visit uh, lots of locations, um, a few points of interest. Yeah, go and have a look at our notes for our last episode. I think I put it there. It's definitely on our YouTube account. You can go on to um, Google Maps and there's like currently about 40 places that Coronation Street has filmed in or other noteworthy locations like the Corrie Mural up in the Northern Quarter. So if you're ever up in Manchester, and we know some of you live there, some of you are coming for a visit soon, please, please, please uh, um, make good use of this map. Snap a few pictures in the places you visit. I hope it comes in useful. This is an idea that we've been mulling around for about six months and it, it took summer holidays to be actually make well, it come to fruition hours. because this was this is like 10 to 15 hours work but it's together yeah. the map and the video that went with so please the do watch the video if you've heard the podcast 
Um, thank you very much for listening to that one. But you will enjoy the video because we've got the the, the like locations. 3D imagery and everything. Yeah, we've got um, clips and uh, no, well not clips, still photographs of the the mm. these, the areas in use, etc. We have Photos had we, we have, have had one or taken. two people um, saying that they're going to be using the map to try and find some Cory filming locations. So I, I hope you're doing it. It's good, and we hope we are hoping to add more to it as time goes on. You know, any future filming locations that we're able to spot, or you know, there's plenty of other places obviously that they filled out in the past that we haven't got on there. So it's a work in progress. Mostly, it was like it. places that we've been to. Wasn't it? Because Mostly, we had yeah. photos of those places. Yeah, the the video that we put out in the episode where we were, we were just talking about places we've been to, but I've since put a couple of other things yeah. on the map. Mostly just for myself, to, so that I don't forget where they are, so that next time we're up we can maybe go and see some of them. But we will have to see. And um, and that's it, really. It's a bit of a waffle. So that's what we've been up to this that's week. It's been a busy week. What about you guys? Have you had a good week? Yeah, what have you been doing? Um, so, Gemma, do you have a quiz for me today? I know it's been a busy old time, but have you been able to? Yes, I did when you're having a shower. On your phone. I wondered if that's what you were doing. Okay, right. So this is the quiz for things that happen between the twenty first and the twenty fifth of August in years ending in three and eight. And I sourced this from Corapedia, coronationstreet.fandom.com. Also, the source of some of our places oh, on yeah. our map as well. Thank you very much to you. Yes, of course. Couldn't do this without. And you all guys. the other people that have helped us. There are loads of people. Years, I don't know like, if they want to be anonymous. Like Mark and uh, and some of the people oh, okay. at Corrie as well. Just say. Well, no, I'm sure <laughs> Mark Llewellyn is it? Oh yeah, Mark Llewellyn. Listen, if you want a tour of Coronation Street. Uh, and the sets and stuff. Mark Mark Llewellyn. Well, the, the the filming locations, not the sets. No, well, he takes the, does. Oh, sets yeah, he does do that as well. Tours as well, and he usually um he he works also with the local hospice and yes. donates a lot of stuff. To, he does a lot of stuff for charities. Absolutely brilliant. He is the total expert. He will have stories about all these places too. He's so if you than ever us. get a chance. Don't think, oh, I've got the map. I don't need that. Go on to Mark's tour. <laughs> it would. It uh, the map is just it a mere it somewhat. Yeah, but the map is a mere shadow of what you could get if you go on a tour with anyway, lovely Mark. Anyway, quiz. Twenty first of August, nineteen sixty eight. Why is Ina threatened with eviction from number six? Number six. Well, when was this? Nineteen sixty eight. Mm. I don't even know. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, it's antisocial behaviour. Was it... This I want you to get was, um, was it when she was caught drinking in the no. in the pub? No, I don't know. No, she, no, think about... She makes. She's making lots of noise. Playing the harmonium too yes, loud? Yes, there we go. You got that. Oh, well I'll done. I'm not... Well, I get a point for that. That's very generous of you. Thank I'm you feeling in a good mood. I don't know why. Maybe I prefer recording in the morning. <laughs> 21st of August, 1998. Who is Curly Watts horrified to find out is now his manager? Oh, Anne Malone. <laughs> yeah. 21st. That sounded really patronising. Well, Yay! Oh, that was a freezing girl. <laughs> 21st of August, 2013. Which widower is told his new relationship isn't working and has to leave the street? I was zoned out for that question. Please, can you repeat? What were you thinking about? I don't even know. I can see you were blinking. No, I don't know what I was thinking of. <laughs> 2013. Which widower has told his new relationship isn't working and has to leave the street in 2013? Final appearance of this character. Which widower? Somebody recently? Which widower? I don't know. I don't know. My, my quiz brain is obviously not working on Saturday mornings. Who is it? Um, he had a brave job. Oh, Paul 
Paul Kershaw. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'll give yourself a point for fake. that as well. All fake this is. Can you imagine if this if they had this on a proper quiz show? It's on the telly. I think you might know it. Sometimes they do. <laughs> um, 22nd of August, 2003. Who gets electrocuted by Bethany dodgy Platt. wiring at 17 Victoria Street? Yes. 23rd of August, Thanks. 1978. Who appears... I love this question. Who appears on the front cover of Newton and Ridley's magazine over the bar, causing jealousy? Betty. And? Oh, is there an and? Yeah. Uh, bet. No. No. Half a mark. Half a mark. It was Betty and Eddie. Oh. I remember it. It must have been five years ago. You asked me a question about that and you asked me to name the magazine. Oh, did I? I nearly yeah. did that again. Yeah. I no, and I would have got again. it if you'd asked me today. Um, Bet and Annie are, are a bit annoyed uh, about this. I don't know why. Why would you? Sorry, sorry, Betty and Eddie, but why would you pick those two? You wait until they find out who's got a photo hanging up in the uh, in the Rovers at the moment. Giant photo. Oh, that's true. They'll be really mad. Twenty mm. third. This is also. I love this one. Twenty third of August, nineteen ninety eight. When Toya Battersby's work is rejected from a magazine, what does she do? <sighs> this is a magazine about Curly being an ageing... Well, um, the magazine was called Only 16, I think. What does she do? What does she do? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I've got no idea. Um, right, it's an even stronger article of complaint. She makes a hoax bomb threat. What? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, see. Tell, tell you what, she's. We should have seen it coming when we she should. killed him, man. Yeah, she's always been violent. Twenty <laughs> fifth of August, two thousand and three. Which character overdoses and is saved by their wife? What year was this? Two thousand and three. <sighs> overdoses and saved by their wife. Oh. <laughs> I've just got nothing going on in my head this morning. Um... So it was a man, overdoses. I don't know, I don't know. You have to tell me or give me a clue. It um, it was an evil woman who caused the the sadness. Who's still in it now. All these characters are still in it now apart from the wife. Overdoses and saved by a wife, evil woman. No, I don't know, just tell me. It was just Roy. Tell me. Roy. Roy. Oh, yeah, after the... After, the After whole a horrible Tracy, thing. Tracy, and then she said well, she was going to have an abortion, and uh, yeah. Haley was gonna, Haley, Haley and Roy were sad, and Haley was gonna go to Amsterdam, and then she saw mm. Roy. Okay, well, I'm not, I'm not too proud. Is that it? That's the end. I, I'm not particularly proud. I mean, I ended up with four and a half, but I think that's probably about two really, without any clues. Hope you did better than me, listeners. I thought they were all right. Who's questions. got birthdays coming up this week? Twenty sixth of August, Gaina Fay played Julie Mad. Judy Mallet. Twenty seventh of August, Saran Jones, who played Karen McDonald, and Vicky Bins, who played Molly Dobbs, also a star of Black Mirror. Thirtieth of August, Joy Stewart, who was Miss Sinclair in Pardon the Expression, and wow. director Baz Taylor. Thirty first of August, Matilda Freeman, who played Summer Spellman, and the first of September, the big Kahuna, Violet Carson, who played Ina Sharples. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday! Oh, but, that's, know, that's made me sad that you called. just said the first of September. I that know. means that September I is know. coming. That I was going to say the summer holidays are nearly over. I know. One week to go. 
<laughs> yeah, well, what difference does it make to you? Just enjoy having me around here over the summer. Um, I like, like like shouting at you and telling you you got to sort out the attic and things. Oh yeah, we got to clean our attic. So anyway, anyway, we don't know. Bore don't you bore you anymore. anymore. Let's bore you with talking about what happened in Coronation Street this week in Street Talk. Okay, welcome to Street Talk for this week, where we have got six storylines to chat about today. Although two of them are going to take the the lion's share, I think everything else is a little bit a little bit small. Um, so we're going to talk about showing privates Ryan first, which I that just came like up with best. on the drive back. Well Show, showing privates Ryan is going to be Ryan's. Um, uh, his endeavour into into OnlyFans or Ovids, as it's called in in Weatherfield, it makes it sound like it's something eggy. No, to me it sounds like Ovids. It sounds like it's specifically for women to perv on men because it's like ovaries. Yeah, and it's like ovary videos. Maybe. It's I'll... videos to stimulate your ovaries. <laughs> what does the O stand for in Ovids? Is it Oh my God? Oh, I say. Oh, I say, Vince. Oh, I say. Somebody needs to make a cut of Ryan's videos and photos with. <laughs> With Hilda going, oh, I, I could do that. I could yeah, do, do it. That. Right. Right. Well, next up, we're going to be doing serious stories. Not that the other one isn't, but poor Paulie Paul, and he's been falling over quite a lot this week, hasn't no, he? Don't you flip not, it. Not doing so good. Um, but we had the Pride stuff on Friday, which was nice. Too um, much Pride stuff. Shoving it in my face. I can't believe Coronation <laughs> Street is so gay. Can you? I, no, I can't believe somebody actually I'm surpri- somebody somebody tweeted us this morning saying that. It's like, I, I can't, can't. Why? Like, okay. I was totally expecting loads of homophobic moaning. I wasn't. I, I wasn't expecting of... it to be directed at us. As yeah, though, so did somebody at us with that? As though, like, we control it or that we disapprove. It's like... Yeah, no. yeah. Um, stiff competition is going to be next, which is the... Uh, the to- <laughs> That could be sounding That's a bit rude good. as well. Um, Todd's um, uh, moving to a new job with Rest Easy. Uh, I don't really like the next storyline title, but it's the best I could up with. So, you know, you know, um, 60s slash 70s, I don't really know. Um, double act, famous yeah. for I Got You Babe, Sonny and Cher. Yeah. So this storyline with, with Ronnie, I'm calling... Ronnie and Cher, because he's got shares in Newton and Ridley. Okay, I'll accept it. Thank you. Um, Cassie Come Home comes next, and then we have got Reed and the Redhead revisited. Oh. Finally, the wheels are moving for this romance, which has obviously got disaster written all over it, but I'm glad it's actually happening. Um, would you like me to do Showing Privates Ryan first, Joa? As this is obviously <laughs> the manliest story this, of them all. This actually... Right, I know I know it's supposed to make, you, make me uncomfortable, but... I think Corey's done a really good job of, of kind of kind of like making it uncomfortable, but also I'm sure loads of people just watched it because they were perfect. What was that? Was it Wednesday when they had the after the break ident, and it was this just this close up of Ryan's pecs and the and the belt and the uh, the weights coming up to it, just with Coronation Street splattered over the screen. Like, come like, on, you know the, what you were doing there. The um. The way that all the women were talking about him is the way that men... And Sean. Okay, and Sean. Is the way that men usually talk about women and it's so much more... It's so accepted, but when when it's the other way around, it kind of makes you think a bit more and realise how gross and demeaning it really is. I, I know that they... lots of guys understand now that that's not acceptable. There are still a massive amount of men who would say the same things that was were being said to Ryan to women without realising how horrible and unpleasant it is. It's funny because I, I think that they're, like you said, mixing the, the shock value with the 
titillation with the humour fairly well They're on doing this a really so good job. I think but that, that scene which had Sean and Glenda and was it Daisy, I think, kind of perving over him, ogling his pictures um, in the Rovers the other day. Daisy they're, they're, wasn't. No, she wasn't. She yeah, was like she was just there. But it, it didn't come across as like, oh, look at these dirty it pervs. Preachy. It wasn't It wasn't preachy. It wasn't creepy. But I don't know whether they could have that the other way around. So if it had been, yeah. you know, one of, yeah. the, one of the girl cast members who'd been forced to... No, this isn't even the Ovids, was it? Who was putting up these scantily clad pictures as herself. If they'd have had... Who, who might it have been, you know... Kevin and Ed going, oh, look at that Daisy with her top off. Whoa. Yeah, it would have been That would odd. have been really uncomfortable. So yeah. it's it's odd to me how, I, I don't really care. I didn't watch the video going, goodness me, how shocking. I, but it's funny how you can have those characters there making those comments about Ryan, but I don't think you could get away with that if they'd have had the guy characters. But I just really want... To a girl. I just really want it to be clear that it's gross both ways. And this is Corey doing stuff that I've been hoping that they would do. Getting characters that we like, saying things that are not nice or unacceptable and not really realising how gross and problematic I it don't is. Think, yeah, I don't think... You know, I don't think it's that bad. If well, people, I know you people, don't. people are going to look at the sexy people on the internet and he wasn't like he was getting his willy out and they're all looking at that. That comes later. You've got to pay for that. <laughs> people will look at people they fancy on the internet and go for to their mates. I know, and people enjoy showing off too. But this is a story where Ryan is forced into something that he's crying about. He was crying when he was doing this. He didn't want to do it. Did you not? Do you not see the difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I, I think he was crying more about the the kex off stuff than the, well, the yeah. pecs out, and and that was what. But they this were... is showing that uh, this is showing that. I think we're all okay with um, saying that, oh, it's always fun and wonderful, isn't it great? There's there's a lot of support and posit- sex positivity for people who are um, interested in, you know, showing off or being sexy. This country's had page three girls for so long. The, the uh, normalising, um, sort of, what's the word? I can't think of a nice way of saying this. Normalising, objectifying people has been part of this country's culture and many other countries yeah. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for years. But this is this is a different side of it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because Ryan it's, it wouldn't have chosen to have done this unless he had issues that he's working through, a.k.a. he feels unattractive and he wants attention. And also he needs money, so he's basically selling his body for money and he doesn't want to. And then you get all the comments of people he doesn't like any of the comments he doesn't like the people who know him going for i liked your torso pics and he also doesn't like people um who who do don't know him talking about it he he didn't mind them at the beginning and that's why he started because when that picture of him leaked online Mm, a couple of weeks ago he saw the comments then it's like oh you know maybe I he's realizing it's empty it's like an empty Mm. It, it 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 doesn't lead anywhere good because you get you get this positive comments but then you want more of them and they want more of you and you're never going to be able to give them everything they want He's, he's, he's yeah. never going to be the perfect person. He's probably screaming inside, why can't these people love me for my brains or my top GJing skills? <laughs> if only I could project my brain into this picture, they would love that. <laughs> right, let's, let's... Obviously, I have a completely different perspective on this than lots of people, and that's totally fine. But I, I, find, I, found, I thought Corey did a really good job this week of balancing that kind of light-hearted um, 
feel with this very dark and uncomfortable situation that Ryan's in. And I'm, I'm. Yeah, I, I did as well. I found this story to but, be quite, quite engaging this week. But for week, all that Corey's quite progressive, it does have quite a um, conservative view of sex work. I mean, my personal opinions aside, the um, the way that they portrayed, I've forgotten the Nikki. name, Nikki and Cardigan now Ryan, Nikki. who's who's you know kind of yeah selling pictures of his genitals on the internet <laughs> they both didn't like what they were doing they both hated what they were doing and the, and it was affecting their lives on many different levels in a very negative way yeah they were getting money for it that they couldn't get anywhere else mm. but it was like selling their souls wasn't it it wasn't a, a nice thing for them i was saying to you yesterday can you imagine how much people would lose their minds if ryan was like signed up for OnlyFans, got a thousand pounds in a week and I'm loving it, I'm loving it, I'm enjoying every single minute, everything is great for me. Can you imagine? I mean, I can only see this storyline ending with him being shamed in some way when a picture leaks. Or just realising that he doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, or just oh, having having his own stalker or something like that. But yeah, I, I don't think people are ready for Corey to do a story where somebody sells pictures of themselves online and has just a brilliant time. <laughs> because there are people that are like that. It's not always sad oh, yeah, and, and tragic. But but I don't think that Corey could... I just don't think they could do that, that type of story. Because it would... I don't, would it be irresponsible? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's get on. Let's Sorry, get I know I jumped straight into the. No, it's fine. Usually, with the first story of the week, it's there because it's the one that I elicits the most discussion, and we, sometimes we get into that before we do the synopsis. So we're starting on Monday, and I to, I did not really enjoy Monday's coronation straight. I think it was in another one where I was in a bit of a grumpy mood when I watched it, but it it really was misery laden Mondays. I thought. Um, but as for as for Pete as for Paul, sorry, it's starting off with Peter saying, "Right, Ryan, you need to pay the rent." So this is the catalyst for what goes on this week. I thought I felt that it probably could have been done a little bit more subtly than it was like, "You need to pay the rent straight away." Oh, I'm going to take my clothes off then. I I, I, I get that no. that's why he's doing it, but it all it clicked together a little bit too neatly only... storyline wise. He was offered money before. The only thing that the only thing that didn't that was too soon as far as I'm concerned is how quickly he got the money. Well, yeah. <laughs> it instantly like he he sold a picture of himself and then Three minutes later, he had a t- £20 note in his hand. Where did that come from? The way that they showed it. Was it Wednesday's episode and the other little stars dinging up on his homepage? Yeah. I, oh. I don't think it works like that. Not that I've got an Ovid's account say, myself. Can I just say... when we have our money come through on our Patreon, on our YouTube, it doesn't have little stars ding, with dings ding, saying, well done, you made one P. Um, yeah, I mean, perhaps my opinion on this should be completely disregarded because I'm just just horribly jealous. I wish that we could sell pictures of ourselves <laughs> for 20... How much did he get in a day? Was, it probably is like working up to a grand. We gave Carla like, 30 quid on Friday, I think. Steak and red wine in what, for one picture. I know. Where I know. Can, where's our Ovid's? <laughs> right, so Ryan's saying he's going to get some extra shifts at the bistro to try and um, pay this rent off. But obviously, he goes in a slightly different direction. Um, later on, Ryan surprises Carla by saying that he's looking into getting more shit. Oh, I just said that already. That's, Watch that's your hand because you're going to knock my coffee. Sorry, I'm just gesticulating. Michael's waving his hands all over the place. Um, she, um, so she, 
What's going on about? Carla. Oh, yeah, that's right. Before, Ryan told Peter, I'm going to get some extra shift work. This is when he's talking to Carla later, and she's pretty annoyed that Peter's been confiding in him about their dire financial situation, which partly involves owing all that money back to Lou. Um, And then Ryan gets a beep on his phone, and he looks a a bit worried about this. Carla spots it. He says it's just a DM from some girl, but he's very reluctant to go into details. And Carla says, oh, it's nice that you chat with people online and meeting up with new people. And he's like, I'm not ready for meetups yet. But this is obviously somebody who's been kind of, who's been interacting with in a bit of a sexy way online. Um, And he's getting these um, unrequested... um, requests (laughs) requests <laughs> for, for nakedness so he's chatting with some girl online later um everyone's desperate to see his face aren't they who's that so, girl so far and in his um his his account name online is buffing my bedroom is his, it yeah yeah buffing what 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 <laughs> <laughs> buffing is nice oh buffing something um he's uh, he, he yeah he's faceless and he, she says well, you know, if you're not going to show me your face, why don't you drop your kecks and show me what you got? And he's like, uh, not, not, not too sure about that. But the the person messaging him is like, no, go on, go on, you can make lots of pound, pound, pound signs for this kind of thing. And you're right, he he doesn't instantly do it. It doesn't take a whole lot of persuasion. It's over the course of a couple of scenes. But I think they did a fairly good job of him showing, like, I really, really don't want to do this. And he's like pacing about his room, isn't he? He's saying, well, how, how much? how much money can you get for this? And she says, well, it depends how much you're willing to show me. And then the final scene on Monday episode for him is him dropping his flies. So, not dropping his flies. Yeah, undoing his flies or unbuttoning or however it is. So, did, did you think that that came too quickly? Was he persuaded? Or did you, I wonder whether the the idea had already, you know, come into his head before he was asked and this was just the... I don't know. The tipping point he needed. <laughs> I want to just to say to this woman, whoever she is, that if you want dick pics on the internet, it's fairly easy to get them for free. Well, it, it, it is. Is there something a little bit more exciting and titillating about talking to somebody and seeing their... I don't know. Then, because you can... Yeah, uh, it's, it's probably not very think, difficult at all if she wants to see that. I, I think, you know... I am not going to speculate on this. This None of this makes sense to me. <laughs> I don't understand why you'd pay money for... Um, I think it's a bit... Um, I, I, my personal... I don't really like this at all. You just don't appreciate the male form, Gemma, do you? Let's, <laughs> let's just be... I don't, I'm not, let's just get I'm it not out I'm not being judgy about it. I'm just being honest about my personal opinion about it. I understand that everyone else has a different opinion. Well, well lots of people do have a different opinion, but... Um, not for me, I, I say. Just, I just hope because, you know, Ryan was sprung, this was sprung on him. I hope he was presentable down there. Well, I don't know. Because Maybe she likes that. Well, I don't know. Has, has there been a bit of shaving privates, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, because if he was... oh my God, I bet you could sell the photo of that, or the video of that happening. <laughs> I, don't, well, I don't want to think about it. Well, there's also the fact which somebody posted on, um, on Facebook that, you know, steroids combined with, you know, you might get a bit of a shrinky winky. Really? Yeah, that's a side effect. Wow, okay. Maybe that's this is where the storyline's going to gonna go down. Oh, we've already know, got the, a nice The bigger he gets online, the smaller he gets in the old um, winky department. Oh, <laughs> don't show your winky to strange women. <laughs> she is probably perfectly lovely It lady. should only be a, a precious gift for your wife on the wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, that's where he's left on Wednesday. It's all very dark and, and everything. But then uh, Wednesday, um, Ryan's there on his phone. He's, he's like, oh, what's my messages coming through? He's probably feeling next day guilt over the whole thing. Um, but also thinking about this money that he's going to have coming in. And Carla and Peter says, look, can you, can you go out and do some shopping today? Um, steak. They decide to have a cheap steak. Um, and Ryan's getting more and more embarrassed about sponging off of well, him, it's, which it is kind more, of, more fuel for him must... wanting to show his little soldier, as uh, Glenda, I think, put it. Um, it must be very infantilising to be sort of chucked 30 quid because you don't have any money to buy dinner for everybody. Mm. I didn't mean... Carla and Peter don't mean it like that at all. And it really does... It's one of those situations where... You can take offence or not take offence, I guess, but he is in such a low place that it it just feels it's everything is kind of wounding his pride. Yeah. And um, so he, yeah, he looks at this money and, and he just thinks, I don't want handouts. I want to earn my money. With yeah. My well, brilliant. at the same time, he's he's getting these messages from someone saying, look, are you sure you don't want to go through the whole Ovid's thing? Because at this point, he's just, um, he's done private picks, hasn't he? He's not signed up for the website until midway through Wednesday's episode, and and this is kind of helps him to make that decision to sign up for an account. I'm just later. gonna. I I wonder here because if you're going to do this sort of thing and keep it anonymous, you've got to be really careful because people are gonna match up your backgrounds, and if you've got any like moles or anything, they'll know it's you because he's got one account everybody knows about, mm. and then he's got this over account so he keep, he's keeping private. I think it's it's really really risky. <laughs> that's why it's that's why he's gonna have to be found out at some point. But, Somebody's gonna. I'm wondering like this this live person that's been messaging him this week. Um, is it definitely like, live? Yeah, live. I, I'm wondering whether it is live somebody we already know. That could be quite a twist. Mm. That somebody who has you know is live Glenda is live Sean. I don't think there's anybody sure on the street that. that's got a name close to it. There's no Olivers or, or, or sorry, R.I.P. Ollie, or, or whatever that it could be. But that could be a bit of a twist that's revealed <sighs> to be somebody we know all along. But the thing is, there's so much more stigma against women for using pornography or um, paying for pornography. So if if a character turned out to be using Ovids and paying men for sexy pictures and videos that would I think be a difficult sell for the character to remain as popular. He he, he did his gay for pay thing on Friday's episode, didn't he? When he had Well that. yeah, it could be a man, but um I think there's a difference between going, Oh I like your saucy like your saucy muscles, they're very sexy or great guy than going, Is fifty quid for I wanna see your winky. Mm. I don't. I don't know. Anyway, I, so. I like I said before. I really like it when Cory challenges you and and uh, gives the characters uh, gives them something negative to to say because um, it makes them a more complicated and interesting characters. But um, I think any character. It's not just women too. Like it's more normalised for men, but any guy. Like if it turned out to be Ed, you know, can you, <laughs> everyone would be like, "What an old pervert." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's all. It's also to do with how attractive you are yourself too. Because if you're a young, kind of good-looking person, people don't mind you being sexy or talking about sex or being positive about sex. But the older you get and the more unattractive you are, people are like, ew, oh, you shouldn't be talking or thinking about sex because you're un- <gasps> Tell you un- what, maybe it's Evelyn. Unattractive. Evelyn, live. <laughs> 
They're not worlds apart, are they? <laughs> She's a lonely old woman since um, Paul Copley left her a few years ago. She's probably the only character that could still maintain her charisma after (laughs) being outed as some kind of fetishist. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Anyway, so he he goes over to the pub later. Daisy's cleaning the windows. Always cleaning those damn windows. The sparkliest windows in the West. And she's um, she's saying, look, um, I'm moving... No, she's planning to move into... Toya's old flat, isn't she, today, her and Daniel? We were just talking about that the other day and the fact that it was mentioned a month ago that they may do it and nothing's happened since. Well, today is the day, but before she can reveal this information to him, there's a pipes emergency inside and Sean's spilling beer all over the place. He's, um, so Ryan goes in and helps fix it. Sean's like, oh, you should come back work here full time. And he's like, no way, I don't want to scare the punters with my horrible face. Um, I'm going to start, anyway, I'm starting earning from my, my Instagram account or send pics or whatever and and this is when Sean kind of starts making jokes and he he says that he knows somebody who makes money off of Ovid so clearly it's you it's know. like their version of OnlyFans because that is the, yes. the place to go um I know that it's not only porn but I think it mostly is isn't wasn't it? there a thing because I, th- I think the first time I'd heard of OnlyFans is when they decided that they weren't going to allow Porn. Porn on it, and everyone's like, I don't know well, that's the main the point of it. That's the main point it of is it, actually, so back on it. It started off as a version of Patreon. Right. But we already had Patreon, but I can just imagine us, if we hadn't already had Patreon, going, oh, maybe we should try OnlyFans, <laughs> and then ending up on this porn site. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah it's, it is a version of, it's like Patreon, but uh, Patreon, I think, is quite strict with their adult content, so this place... Yeah. It's, I don't it's, know, I mean... Less so. I don't know. I have no. I don't think I've ever been on it. I saw there was a lady who was a a cook who was on it, and she said like a you know a celeb not celebrity chef but like a chef influencer or something. Mm. And she's like, oh dear. When you so, think of OnlyFans now, you don't think of anything other than people paying to see celebrities or you know Z-listers or whoever it's just getting their become, kits off. Yeah, it's that's be- that's what it's turned into. Yeah, now. yeah. But Ryan says, no way, I would never do that. But on his way back home, um, he bumps into Daniel, and this is where he hears about them moving into into Victoria Street. And he's like, oh, I'm so happy for you, but he's pretty miffed, because he wants Daisy out of his life. I don't know, I'm it's still not sure. It's too painful for him to watch her living a happy life with Daniel, yeah, and especially when Daniel was saying, oh, we're going to have a spare room for a nursery, mm. and uh, it, I, he doesn't want to I think don't about really that. see what the difference is between that, you know, and she's still going to be working at the pub, so yeah, so what that she's going to be living around the corner? I I don't know, but whatever. It's it's what gives him the incentive to um to to uh, get his get his. I was convinced, off of cash. But uh, during this week, that at some point he's going to end up living with Daisy and and Daniel. Oh what? Because there's a spare room. Peter kicks Pete, him out, and as soon as somebody on Coronation Street says, "Oh yeah, we have a spare room," I'm like, "Not for long, you don't. Someone's mm. going to be sleeping in there before you know it." Yeah, maybe, maybe. That would be so awkward, but that is exactly the sort of stupid, um, unself-aware thing that Daniel would do, mm. and then Daisy would go along with it because she doesn't. She's lost a backbone recently, and then Ryan be creeping about. Taking photos of saucy photos in what is to one day be a child's nursery. (laughs) Can't imagine. Uh, So then we have a few scenes of um, the characters talking about Ryan's abs and everything. And and 
Ryan gives um, a bottle of wine, doesn't he? Because this is what he's been sent out to do the shopping for, for Carla. No, no, no. And he ends up giving the wine to Daisy. No, Daisy comes around to see him. That happens. Oh, yes, that's right. That's so, right. So, so Daisy, Sean and Glenda are in the, in the park. Yeah, that's and right. Daisy's and Daisy like, says, oh, I, I don't think, think he'd be doing this unless he's desperate. I'm going to go and go and see him. I've not yeah. had a Seymour. I've come up to Ryan's flat for a good month and a half or so. She's Let's uh, revisit that. talking also. She's like, the influencer lifestyle is not doesn't lead anywhere good. Yeah. Um, and Sean and Glenda just completely openly just oogling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. He goes round to her, she no. goes round to his flat. Yeah. He gives her the wine and then and then kind of kicks her out as, as soon as he can because he says that he's waiting to hear a call. Um, he's trying to get a call about a job and she's like, "Oh, I'm so proud of you. Well done." Um, so Ryan at this point has decided. I've got no no choice here. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get my kecks off. He sits down. He's crying like you said. He's not loving doing this. Starts to sign up for an Ovid's account because you know if Daisy's living across the street, what else would you do? Um, this is the shot. Oh, this is a shot, isn't it? On Wednesday after the break, we get this kind of like really. Um, it was a bit like let's get physical, physical. But it had the it? what's the light called? The beam of light that goes behind his. Know. His chest, and it was a real close up. <laughs> this one's for the grandma <laughs> <laughs> for Evelyn, isn't it? Apparently, yeah. And he, so he's like, he's pumped himself up, he's like holds the camera up to himself and says, Stand by for action. But he's he's not loving it, but you can see that he knows that you know, he's when when he was holding the camera up, he he does know that he's probably he's got a good bod there, and it's not gonna he's not gonna be repulsing anybody with what he's about to show. And, and he's kind of thinking, that, yeah, I probably could get a bit of money from it, and that's what I need at the moment. But we don't obviously get to see any of this. We just see him sort of pulling his trousers up later, and uh, he gets a message from Liv saying that she wants more, and he's like, plenty more where that came from, and then falls backwards on his bed. And, and that's kind of a, well, what have I done kind of shot. What have I become? Yeah. I'm just a sexy man on the internet. Oh. <laughs> um, there's a scene where Daisy and Daniel are, sort of going over the threshold into the flat and he says, oh, I'll get a message. All, uh, no, I'll get you all to myself now. And she says, what do you mean by that? So he's still clearly holding on to some bit of annoyance of, of her and Ryan together, but she manages to explain herself out of it pretty well somehow. And so that kind of is parked for a while. Um, then we have a scene with Glenda and Ryan. She, um, she, she sees him and says, oh, I've just seen your stuff. What you're doing is great. And obviously they're supposed to be for a second there. We think, hang on a minute, you well, signed up to Ovid's Glenda. The way she says stuff is a very, what's the word? Provocative. Like yeah. the way she says it in kind of a clandestine, like I've seen your stuff. She's, she's clearly like, just seen his abs pics again. And uh, and she says, oh, you know, I, I'm the sort of person that would um, go too far and end up, end up regretting it because Ryan clearly needs some motivation to have regrets about what he's done. Uh, and he's <clears throat> but he's on his laptop later, and this is when we see the money start coming in. So good for him. And then he can give Peter and Carla thirty pounds and offer to cook the tea as well. Um, so they're eating their dinner later, and he says, "Oh yeah, I gave the wine to Daisy. I'll, I'll pay you back for it. Um, you know, I'm doing quite well. I've become an online fitness instructor. No influencer. Influencer. Yeah. So I'll be able to start paying you a more regular. There regular are loads basis. of people like this on on Instagram." Fitness influencers, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and, and <laughs> we know what you're doing. But yeah, how many of those are bulked up on roids? 
because that's what he's doing at the end of the episode. He's he's got a nasty bruise on his in, uh, on, on his, his bum, bum, hasn't he? On his injection spot. Well, who, was it this day that he got that comment saying, "Oh, he needs more meat on his bones"? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, people saying that he's looking too skinny, um, so he starts pumping himself up a little bit more. Friday comes um, and. They get a visit from Simon round the flat. Simon got, what, three scenes maybe this week, I think? Uh, making me wonder, what's going on there? I d- it wasn't even clear to me why Simon even came round Peter and Carla's flat. Was it just to have a cup of coffee? Well, I don't know. Because as soon as Simon came in, Peter and Carla was like, anyway, we're going off to work. It's like, it couldn't be more clear that they don't like him. (laughs) Yeah. And Simon makes a comment about Ryan never coming out of his room and he kind of gives a a worried look across there, but then he doesn't have anything else to do with it. Well, I I don't know whether there was a bit of jealousy there. Where's Simon living? With... I think he's living with mates at the moment. I don't oh, think he's, he? Yeah, I don't think he's with Nick and Leanne anymore. Because I think Toya's in his old room. Um, yeah, I, I wonder whether he's jealous of how much time Ryan's spending with, with his dad. And why is he there? I, I, that should be my room. I don't, they didn't show it's enough It's a weird to look. I don't know why he gave that look. And I couldn't... I couldn't it's work the, it. It, yeah. it, was, it. To me, it was just kind of look of, oh... With anyone who's involved in this storyline is supposed to be showing a bit of concern for Ryan at the moment, so maybe I'll give a worried look towards his bedroom and maybe then I'll be part but of I it. But I don't think Simon's mature or experienced enough to really... He's only just come out of being a teenager himself. Why is he going to be like, oh, Ryan shouldn't be spending all day in his bedroom. Look at how sunny it is outside. He should go for a walk. That's the sort of thing you say when you're 30. He should be out eating chips with Kirk in the park like I'm going to yeah, do Yeah, right you know now. what I mean? Why would, a, why would a boy who's just been a teen... Well, a man who's just been a teenager mm. be concerned about somebody spending too much time? He's probably thinking, I bet he's getting through some tissues in there. <laughs> I might need a poo later. I hope that there's enough left in the house. Disgusting. Ryan comes to the factory um, later on, and Beth's like, "Where's, where's your, my, where's my pick of the day? Where's, where's my, where's my torso of the day, Ryan? Come on!" See, it's supposed to be all in good fun and everything, but I just find it as, just as gross as when men do it. It's just, mm. but the thing is, like, she's she's reacting to what he's putting out there. That's the thing. How's she supposed to know he's a tortured soul? Yeah. It's all supposed to be in good fun. I this this reminds me. I was a little bit confused about what day Friday's episode was supposed to be set on. I think it was supposed on. to be a weekend. Why why were they at work? Because oh, Pride yeah. Pride is obviously Saturday. It's going on as we speak. I think is it only Saturday? Yeah, I don't think it's on on Friday. <clears throat> Nobody else seemed to be at work during the episode. I mean, it's not often that Corey really ever needs an excuse for why why is a character here and not at work. If they want them to be off, then then why not? It was also it's. Lily's birthday is today as well, and she was celebrating her tenth birthday on the Saturday. On the Saturday, so I think <coughs> maybe it was supposed to a be rare Saturday. Saturday. But yeah, I, I don't get why the factory people were work. But never mind, it doesn't matter. So Ryan's a bit annoyed by this. Goes back home, gets a request for a full body and face shot, which he refuses, um, and then um, there, there's something with Carla and Sarah in the cafe that was not. Oh, much, they were talking it? about being business, stressed business. out again. This is the this is Carla taking on too much responsibility, maybe. And Roy and Peter are both very concerned for her mental health and she's telling them she's fine. Mm. But she needs the money. Um, Yeah, then we see Ryan... um, Earlier on in that episode, I think it was, or maybe it was Wednesday, he takes a picture of himself holding a bottle... I think it's. Oh, I think it, yeah, I think it was after Beth says, "Where's your picture of the day?" And he just goes and holds <coughs> a picture of saying, "Here you go, Beth." 
Um, but it, it, his bad arm, where he got his skin graft from, is visible, isn't it? And somebody's commented, he's so hot, he's melted, which Ryan doesn't appreciate. He doesn't get the joke. No, he doesn't get it, does it? It's funny how, Carla's, how sensitive he is. And Carla's, it? yeah, he, he starts to kind of get a bit bit mad about this. And Carla says, look, don't worry, everyone in the factory says it's a nice picture. And then this is when his roid rage comes out again. He chucks a glass at a wall and oh, starts my. moving in on Carla. Yeah, yelling at her. Yeah, okay. Right oh, in her face. You and your nosy factory. You lot, keep your nose out of my business. Uh, and then Peter, very handily and coincidentally, yeah, the salty just sea dog. happens to be walking there. This is see, this is why they should have had Simon. This is in the flat. I, I just I hate it so much when people just happen to be walking in. Wait, like wait. why couldn't Peter have just been in another room in the flat and heard the commotion? That would have made more sense than I just happen to have timed my return to the flat exactly at the moment when my when my wife is getting. Um, intimidated by the lodger. Oh, it didn't make sense. Anyway, so he grabs Ryan, pushes him against sense. the wall. He just didn't like, I'd... it was too coincidental. Yeah. Um, and says, look, you need to, uh, you need to back off. What's, what's going on with you? Um, and Ryan says, look, well, you need to keep your nose out of my business. I'm going to move out. So, I mean, the contradiction here is that he's pinned his business online and then complaining that people are talking to him about his business. Well, exactly. Um, Carla and Peter are in Ryan's bedroom later and they're sort of talking about... Well, Peter wants to kick him out, doesn't he? Because he's, he doesn't like doesn't like what that's going on here. Carla yeah, says, Carl, no, Peter's literally taking him. his stuff out of drawers and throwing it um, into, mm. on, you know, to pack it away, to get rid of him. And he doesn't notice. He picks up... Um, some clothes and underneath are all the syringes and he doesn't look and see it doesn't see yeah there's been a few close calls with that which makes me think that's going to be discovered sometime soon Carla's not going to let him Carla's not going to let him go the thing is though like how much does Ryan need to be living with them at the moment they Um, he's only just started earning money Michael yeah I know but I'm sure he could find somewhere else in real life it can be difficult if you are making money from online stuff, especially if it's something that's not very socially accessible, like OnlyFans, um, to prove your income to somebody, to be able to get somewhere to rent. That's not going to come up in Coronation Street, but that would be something that I think it would be realistic for Coronation Street to, you know, to talk about. Mm. The the fact that some people just won't let you live there because, because they're, you know, they have concerns about your ability to pay but also because there's stigma against it but also because the people are probably thinking well I don't want you to rent this bedroom and who knows what you're going to be doing in it yeah. you're going to be inviting people in and stuff if I, I if I was Ryan I'd be trying to find somewhere else to live as soon as I could at the moment I think because do. you don't want people walking in on you he's had a few close shaves well, he needs a bloody lock on his door yeah I know um, anyway, he comes back to the flat later. He's all apologetic and teary, and he says, "Oh, I didn't even know what I was doing." Comment just really got to me. You're, you're the last person I'd attack. Which Carla. means he's the first person he, she, he's going to attack. <laughs> yeah. um, and Peter says, "Look, there's no place for aggression like this here, though. This can't happen again." I liked how how I really liked how Peter was so calm, but mm. direct, wasn't he? He was like, "You're not going to ever do that again." Yeah. I love that. I thought he was very, what's the word? Imposing. He's just like Im- looking up from his paper, making he's a like, bit of He's like, and he's also like, I can, I can wipe the floor with you. I don't know if he could though. He managed I, to, he managed to wrestle him against the wall, but 
if if Ryan keeps roiding out and getting super strong and working out all the time, and he's and he's younger, I don't. I think Peter would get decked. I think Peter's maybe been sneaking into Ryan's room every now. Yeah, that's and why he didn't mention it. Yeah, <laughs> firing but, his dumbbells. But yeah, well, I mean, Ryan needs to. <laughs> Ryan needs to do a deal with Peter for some sexy tussling videos. I bet there'd be plenty of people watching a silver fox having a go at oh, yeah, I bet there a would fight be. With, yeah. with a young buck. <laughs> um, so he I, needs to pay off that 15 grand watch bill he's got. Peter, get get yourself on overs. I know there are people on our Facebook group that would definitely sign up. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so... I, I'm I'm enjoying where this story's going at the moment. I, when I first um, sort of saw that this is where the direction it was going in, I thought it would probably be a little bit too seedy and weird and like that's not Corrie enough for me. But I'm actually quite enjoying it because I want to see I want to see how far Corrie can push it. And I'm interested. You want like, to see whether you can get a picture. Well, obviously, it's not going to go anywhere near racy. It's what is it? One of these things where because Corrie's pre-watershed, they can't give it full justice and I don't mean they're not going to show the whole thing is that what you call a picture of someone's willy full justice (laughs) you know the 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 chats that Ryan's having with these people online are all fairly tame aren't they yeah um yeah it's all pre pre watershed stuff even though you know because we're talking about this on a podcast we we're getting strikes against us for yeah probably stuff um but I I was we, I was ranting it to you in the car on the way to camping about the fact that they they took this storyline about somebody who has been disfigured in an acid attack and they've turned it into a story they could have done with anybody. This is, Ryan didn't need to have been have had this issue with his face to have do do this um, Ovid storyline that they're trying to do. Um, I wish that they had focused on the issue that they started with because there's loads of stuff to do with what Ryan is going through and they haven't talked about that at all. I mean, we got a brief mention of the scar clinic today, uh, on Friday, I mean, but we never, you know, what we don't really get to hear much about it. Does it hurt? I bet it does. Is it, is it kind of, because you have to stretch things like that. Otherwise you can, you can end up, the, the scars get too tight and then you can't you lose mobility and you're like none of this has come up no it seems to be they're just jumping from really one point jumped. to the next very very quickly first it's stalking then it's acid then it's ryan and daisy fancying each or, or the whole crystal thing yeah then it's about him um now it's getting his photos online, online. Yeah. now it's turned into ovids it, Although, and also there's a bit of steroid abuse going on in there as well it's of, a bit bit much maybe to throw at one person it's all so close together. It's all working, but I, I'm just frustrated with how quickly things are jumping about because I feel like there's so much more to say about the issues that we've ju- dumped. Mm. And I understand that there's a clear link between them all. They all logically follow on from one another. That There's no criticism there. But why couldn't we have had a bit more about this acid attack story? And you know that the he... Didn't he work... Haven't charities worked with, with Corey on this? What yeah, do... Yeah. You know... Oh, sorry, we don't, we're not doing that anymore. But he's still got scars. Yeah, but we're not, we don't, we're not it, focusing it, on that aspect anymore. It, it gets enough um, mention though. I mean, the whole thing of I don't want to show my face and yeah, it's part here's of my it. arm. I don't, I didn't understand why he put that picture of him no, with I his arm. I think up. he was thinking, 
maybe I'll be brave and maybe I'll be accepted. And then he got rejected. You know, it was very sad for him to see how careless and cruel people are, especially on the internet, you know, ironically when they're also anonymous. Because mm. was that was that picture with the bottle on the same account as his, as his abs picture? Yeah, I think he's got his fitness influencer yeah. in inverted commas account where he, and that must have been his original, his original social media account. Mm. Because people know who he is and they follow him already. Yeah. And they were talking about, oh, look at Ryan's post of this picture. So he's obviously using that account, which is not anonymous, and he's getting sponsorship on that from all the pictures that he's posting. And then he's got this secret Ovid's account that nobody knows who he is on there for now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is going to happen first? The the finding out about the, the pictures or the, or the steroids? I wonder whether that's why Simon's involved. Maybe Simon might start hassling him for, for a hookup. And, uh, you know, if you don't give me some, I'm going to tell everybody. I, it, Can you imagine I, I'd, how... I'd like to think that Simon isn't just been putting in these scenes to get his episode count up, and maybe he will be the one that discovers them. I mean, he, he's been involved in drugs in the past, hasn't he, with the whole Harvey story a few years ago. Yeah. But I, I don't think the story necessarily needs Simon. I think Simon probably needs the story. Um... Mm. I, I don't know, and 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 this this roid rage stuff is is that going to lead to something more serious? Well, he's going to so whack far, Carla. He's, yeah, or do you, do you think? Because yeah. so far he's punched his wardrobe, which Carla and Peter haven't put two and two together with. Um, he's uh, yeah intimidated Carla, smashed a cup. Maybe, maybe he's just going to punch Simon in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean he's not the only one that's wanted to do oh, that. Oh dear, years. but you know how Simon is very is a very angry little man. Um, I can imagine if he gets on steroids, he's going to be even worse. Imagine. imagine Simon, him. no, he's not going to be on steroids. He's no, not. but, well, you know, I'm just, you said to me, why is Simon involved? That's one example of what could happen mm. if he blackmails him. Yeah. Why not chuck that in as well? <laughs> Speaking of Simon, did you see the, um, you know, the, the chip scene on Friday when he says, yeah. who's Paul? How dare you? <laughs> he's been in more than you that, have. That just goes to show how little he's been involved with anybody on the street that he doesn't even know who Paul is at the moment. I don't know why they put that line in. It feels like a dig. It, it does, doesn't it? Because... I mean, Paul is the person that Carla hit with her van <laughs> earlier this year as yeah. well. So, I mean, in some ways you might think it's more realistic because in a normal street, yeah, that is not realistic. everybody does know everybody else. But in the world of Coronation Street, everyone's got each other's phone numbers in their, in their yeah. mobile, apart with, from Simon. With, with headshots. <laughs> do you think everyone's, do think everybody on Coronation Street is in a WhatsApp group apart from Simon? Poor Simon! <laughs> don't tell him, don't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I, I enjoyed this. It was, it was pretty fun. Um, the other thing that I noticed, which I thought was a bit weird, was when you get a still of um, Ryan's Ovid account, we find out that on Friday, I think he had 38 followers, but he's following 126 people. That's how you get it. That's how you boost your numbers. Is it? By follow it? I... Well, on Twitter it is. If you look sometimes some some accounts that you, you go on there and they've got thousands of followers and you're like, I don't understand why this account has got so many followers. And then you look at how many people they're following and it's the same number. So we don't think that Ryan's out there ogling some ladies of his own. No, I think he's just, I think he's following people to get attention. That's how you do it. Mm. I wouldn't know though. <laughs> I'm not on OnlyFans. <laughs> um, interesting stuff. Um, so the, the Paul storyline, Gemma, yes. sad times. Well, there was, there was a bit of happiness week. and a bit of sadness as a, we always get with Paul. Like I said, good balance they're doing with this storyline. Yeah. There's things to really enjoy and also things that make you very sad. Honestly, this is one of the best stories Corey's done in years. And I hate 
the, I hate the theme of it. I hate medical things. The thought of what Paul's going through is heartbreaking and it's even worse because it's happening to real people all around us all the time. Um, but the story, the way they're handling it, I think is fantastic. They are mostly for me. I think some of the I don't engineered... like the relationship drama. Yeah, exactly. The old Paul's just overheard Billy talking yeah. to Todd about how he'd have dumped him if he wasn't sick. And oh, well, I, mean, I, I, I don't, I don't think it needs that at all. It doesn't but... need it. It is it, re- Yeah, okay, we'll get to it. So on Monday, Billy's drafting a letter to the bishop trying to beg for a for him to change the entire Church of England. Sorry, but uh, that scene was utterly ridiculous and it's making me wonder, is this actually going to be accepted? No, hang but, on. Ha- why, why does Billy think that he can get a church wedding? I know, it's but out this is, of the question. The Church on. of England will not do this. Yeah, I know. This is this is a, the upsetting thing. It's like, Billy's Billy's been okay with the homophobia of, of the fact that the church won't recognise or um, allow gay weddings until it affected him personally and then he's kind of expecting them to see the human in the in the issue here but for the church it's it's not about individual people at all that you could come with any story that you like that is the policy and there's no way that a bishop could change that and just, no, just by billy wedding. phoning up going oh go on but he's really ill he's, he's really gonna die. poorly it's well, only gonna count for a little a, bit he doesn't even go to church you know, I want to marry this guy who doesn't even go to church. Please feel sorry for me. That's not what, it, you know, <clears throat> I understand what, what, I don't, I don't understand what Billy thinks he's doing. He must understand. I've always, I've had the problem with Billy being a Church of England, um, I don't know, clergyman. Mm. Because I don't, he's never, the problem I have is that he's never really fully addressed the contradiction that he lives every day of being taught or teaching with the church that there's something inherently wrong and or I think not over the, the years same. the Church of England has been um, more accepting I know but I'm I, but I, there I, is I, still the thing that they won't conduct um, yeah. their marriage ceremonies I'm they'll do a blessing to, I, it is a criticism I, I'm trying to be really nice about people's beliefs because I've said before you know, religious beliefs are sincerely held and everybody has some kind of belief that is offensive to somebody else. That's just the way humans are. But I can't see how Billy can stand knowing that. Mm. I'm wondering, I'm wondering whether, I can't remember whether the Unitarian church that Roy and Hayley got married in, whether they... Well, there are different, this is what my point is. There are different... But would that be enough for Billy? Branches. Is it better than nothing? He could be, he could be a, a religious... A clergyman in a different branch of Christianity. I'm sure there are Christians that would accept. I just like why? Why is Curry made him a Church of England? Um, what is he again? Uh, semi, Archdeacon. Semi bishop. <laughs> Archdeacon. Why? Why have they done that? I just is it because it's the only religion, the only branch of Christianity they know, or is it because it's the main one? Is it the only one that really sustains? you know, paying somebody for, to do this I think it's for the drama, job. because it did cause some, you know, some upset with, can Todd move into the, the, the bishopry, um, not the, you know, the, the, the vicar's house. Because I just, I just hope that Coronation Street don't go down the route of, you know what, the we'll bishop anyway. has decided to make an exception for you. I really think that would be a bad move if they did that. Also, if they if they're gonna if they go down that route, then I assume that the wedding would be filmed at St Mary's Church, and I don't think that St Mary's Church would allow that. Although they did allow the 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 drugs in the aisles, 
I just, I think it's, I'm very intrigued about how it goes, but I don't want them to, Corey, to just rewrite the Church of England into saying, I'll go on then for a one-off. No, that would be, uh, that would be just silly. Mm. I understand why Billy, th- I guess Billy thinks that he can convince, but it's not about, it's not about that, is it? No. And and Billy, Billy must understand that because he's part of the system that's basically oppressing. Mm. If it, it seems like the wedding is almost certainly going to go ahead at this point. I think it, people have been asking for a gay wedding on Coronation Street for so, so, so long. And to have this dangling in front of us, plus the combination of, oh, isn't it bittersweet because because Paul's on his last legs. Um, it, it, I, I think that this is going to be the time when we actually see a wedding. I just, I don't know how it's going to work and how it's going to end up with something that Billy is completely happy with. It's a really, it's really sad, and it? it's another element of this that you know adds adds something mm. to it. This... And it's it's a shame that if if this is, which I I'm pretty certain it will be, be Coronation Street's first gay wedding, that it will still be tinged with sadness and the, the kill you killed gay. He, kill yeah, he, he's gonna he's gonna he has not got long left to live. The other one is doing it, and he's not completely happy with the the type of ceremony that they're going to get and we'll say oh well, look, we did it we did a gay wedding I am but, wondering whether this is going to lead to Billy quitting the church I don't know it does, he doesn't have to give up his religion or beliefs because from you know my understanding um, you can be a Christian and be gay and follow the Bible completely there's nothing in the Bible that well, there's like one line that people argue about whether that means one thing or another thing but there's no contradiction in his, you know, in the in his faith. It's the way that the that Christianity has been interpreted by the Church of England. I I, I don't know. I think is it maybe it's a, look. It's going we're going to places we don't know enough about. But it just feels like I, I still say it's going to be wrong if the Church of England in Weatherfield turn a blind eye. Well, <clears throat> I yeah, I think it would be nice. I just want Billy to explain why he's okay with it because and I just I don't want to say don't want it to come across like I'm saying he's wrong to think this because I know that there are people who are in high positions who are Christian who are gay and have the same beliefs as Billy are in the same kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like it's an impossible thing to explain, but we haven't really had Billy's perspective, have we? No. That's all I want. They're skirting around the issue, but they're too scared to take to to look it in the eye. But they've created the situation themselves. Mm. Probably have. Mm. Mm. Anyway, so that's that's that bit of it. What else happened? Uh, as this is happening, um, Paul is struggling in the kitchen, and Billy says, "We we need to make some things easier for you." So um, Summer and Paul are having a laugh later about who's going to get up and get some popcorn. Um, he, he finds it very difficult when he does get up and Billy comes in and he's got a crutch for him and Paul doesn't want it, he doesn't need help and Summer says, you need to stop wallowing, get the stick, go for a walk. And he wishes things could go back to the way they were. They go walking down the street and uh, most of the right side of Paul's body is just really limp and he's hating. Yeah, this the story's come on again hasn't it like every time that it comes back from having a bit of a break Paul is noticeably worse and at this stage it is pretty much his right side of his body is is just gone it's really difficult to talk about this without using negative language that feels very um upsetting and confronting um but I also don't want to minimize the 
don't want to pretty up the language that we use to try to diminish his his what he's going through because I don't think that's fair. I'm I am struggling with the way to word these things. Like you say, he's worse. Like that that's got such a negative um, sound to it. Well, I think but is not, there a positive spin? No, but that's what I'm trying to this? say. This is literally what I'm my point, yeah. Michael. You that is the right word, but I don't. I know that there's a lot of discussion about the language that you use to talk about even the word disability is is got you know a loaded it's a loaded term um so i'm just just saying this as a disclaimer mm-hmm. that i don't i don't want to minimize his suffering by pretending and using words like if phrases like he always just differently abled his things are being stolen from him by this condition day by day mm. I, I thought that this was a really good scene. I think that um, having Summer give him a bit of tough love and taking him out yeah. was, was good for her. Um, but also we becoming more interesting in this story. Now she's not the one that's falling around mm. all over the place and it's exactly. somebody else that's <laughs> taking up that role. Maybe she's like her men- his mentor and this is how you fall over without hurting yourself too badly. This is how you um, look dramatic. No, it's the, the other bit that I liked on this is Debbie at the end of the street. She's just kind of there giving him the like, a bit of a side eye, isn't she? And she's looking but without meaning to look like I she's didn't looking. Think she, I thought the point of this scene was that she, Debbie couldn't wasn't giving him two thoughts and he no, was No, I think focused. that she was looking and she was having a bit of a stare. What? And at the moment we're not supposed to be thinking that Debbie's that nice a person, is she? Because she's she's doing all this underhand stuff with yeah. with Ronnie. And I think that she was yeah, she she was saying to herself, Oh look, is he hasn't he got hasn't he got worse? And then when she he when she walks past them later, she doesn't say anything because I think she's too embarrassed and wouldn't know what really? to say. That's My interpretation I, was oh, totally different. I just I just it the interpretation I got was that this was all in Paul's head, that that everyone's staring at him and he's the focus of attention and people are having negative thoughts about him because Debbie was in her own world and she's chatting away and then she's kind of like just marches past and she. she oh no no yeah no I didn't get that at all. Well, I thought. That... What does everyone else think? <laughs> Tell us what you thought about that scene. Interesting. I want to rewatch it. Yeah. Now. So um, they go back home and uh, Summer and Billy are whispering about this birthday surprise they've got for Paul and Paul sits down and he's like saying this crutch is much harder than it looks but I'm going to get used to it and he doesn't want anybody to be involved like a medical team or anything like that. I remember I had to use crutches once. They are they're horrible. <laughs> they're really hard. What was that for? I don't remember that. Oh, when I hurt my toe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mum and dad took me to this um, food festival, and I was just miserable and being a right bitch the whole time because I couldn't use my. <laughs> well, he's just got crutches. one, hasn't he? He's got one of these quad feety ones that that help. But him. you can see how much strength it's it's using to transfer his weight onto mm. his hand. Yeah. So um, on Wednesday, ultimate cop out. If if Billy's done one bad thing this week, it was this. I was furious. He gives Paul an engagement ring for his birthday. Yeah, I know. It's like, well, you know, I don't what want... else? Yes, we yeah. are engaged. Yeah, this isn't a present. This is... You owe me this. You owe me this, yeah. Get me something else. <laughs> Paul meets Gemma and Chesney in the cafe and they say that they're going to have a party in the bistro. Obviously, it's Gemma's birthday as well. And this makes me so sad to think that Gemma... We're going to surely have a scene after Paul has died where it's Gemma's birthday again, but she's celebrating oh, yeah. by herself. I mean, I'm I'm not expecting at this stage Paul to still be with us by this time next no, year. No, me either. So, um, yeah, set the date for, for this episode in a year's time. 
Gemma. Dolly Rose Campbell doing some excellent acting about the fact that she's a twin. You know, he's lost her other half and every birthday she's going to be reminded mm. of her loss. It's just absolutely heartbreaking. So um, he doesn't want to go to this party, um, but he's going to go to make her happy. So um, when the, the, they arrive at the party, it looks like there's a few more people invited than Paul had anticipated. Yeah, he just wanted it to be family only if he had to have it at all. And um, Daniel turns up, doesn't he? And, uh, I can't oh, remember great. who Daniel's else. Oh, great. Daniel's here. It's going to be a great party now. Oh, Dee Dee's there. Yeah, Dee Dee's there. These are all people that he likes. I don't know what he's moaning about. Bryn's hyper. He's had two shepherd tips. Do you think Simon was invited? And he's like, who's Paul? (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) Um, Leanne was trying to be nice, but as usual, comes off as a bitch. She gives them (laughs) extra sandwiches and then gets mardy when they won't order alcohol. But Gemma brings her own bottle of vodka, doesn't she? Nothing happens with that, I don't think. Um, uh, Bryn is, like we said, hyper. So Paul says, I'll take him to the precinct to, to burn off some steam. Why did they let him do this? This yeah, that was a bit of a risky, you really... know, considering how he'd been the previous day. This is so cruel to Paul. This it... and it's cruel. The whole thing is cruel for Paul. I understand that, but you... anyway, he he take. They're like, where's where's Paul? It's been a while, and he and Bryn are still on the park. Then Bryn decides to be a little git. And he, oh, you've written little pickle. That's that's nicer, isn't it? He runs up. He runs off, and Paul tries to chase him, falls over, and you know Peter just so happens to be at the precinct. That's a nice coincidence, isn't it? He did explain why he was there. Oh, he was having a walk because he was stuck in a cab all day, and he decided to go for a walk. If I was a portable person in a cab, I would drive to a park and have a walk. But Peter likes to look around playgrounds i'm not gonna ask questions i was expecting this scene when i saw that peter sorry paul and Bryn were going to be off in the precinct together i thought there'd be like some kind of scene where uh falls over and gets himself back up again and paul would make something of that and like oh yeah i need to get myself back up again or i can't get myself back up again i I thought that yeah i thought that Bryn might have a bit of a tumble but no no just ran off like a little git so Peter runs around the corner into the Coronation Street car park. That's gets run over so. by a car. Yeah. Paul Paul bundles them up. Helps Ian McLeod coming Peter. into work. <laughs> Sorry, Bryn. Oh no. Oh well, there are eight of you. Um, <laughs> Peter bundles him up and helps Paul to stand back up again. All go back to the bistro. Paul just feeling really guilty, and he says, "I can't do stuff on my own with the kids anymore." When was the? When have we ever seen Paul do anything on his own with the kids? Apparently now it's his greatest ambition in life. <laughs> Billy helps Paul home and he is very miserable and he also doesn't think he can manage to go up the stairs. And Todd comes over and Billy tells him that Paul needs carry in. Paul's so embarrassed. He he, he doesn't want them to help him. He just feels terrible. But Paul, um, Todd kind of gives him a sort of no-nonsense kind of... Right, come on then. This is what we've got to do. Yeah, I thought that was a great scene. And I, it, definitely within Paul's character to not want the help. And I think that Todd, as devious as he's also being in the Rest Easy story, was a you know a good guy for, for helping him up. And, and like Summer, giving Paul a bit of tough love. You know, we've criticised the gay dad story before as being a bit, like, not not fun. But the dynamic between these three men is actually really yeah. interesting, and the, the way that it's developing here between these three is is I, I love this. I love the camaraderie, and I love the way that they all care for each other, even though so many terrible things have happened <laughs> because of each the, each yeah. of them in this story. Um, but yeah, to- Todd helps him up the stairs, and 
um, they're in the flat and then they, they're like, we need to get you sorted with something. We can't do this all the time. We've got to do get grants and get a stair lift. And then Todd's like, do you know what? I'm doing a funeral for a lady that's got a stair lift. They're not going to need it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he's so cutthroat. Um, what, what do you, I think it's great. I think he's, yeah, I, I see. Um, Todd's one of those people that I feel more kinship to. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be moving over to rest easy, wouldn't you? Yeah, if somebody's going to give me more money, money to grabber. do the same thing I'm doing now, then, I, yeah, I would always go for, for that. So Billy says, um, we can't just take things off a grieving widow. And, and Todd's like, look, Paul needs this. So I really, really, really wish they would just address the fact that there used to be a style of going up to that flat. And I know I've said it before, but... It was less than 10 years ago there was a stair lift going up to that very flat when Izzy lived there. I know, if only There's a line the to rails say, still there, why did we have this taken out yeah. when we moved in? <laughs> Nobody so, else is going to remember. No. But, but Billy, Billy and Paul are on the sofa later and, and Paul's like, this has just made me realise that I want to do things before I get robbed of the chance of doing them. And the first thing on my list is to walk down the aisle on my wedding day. So you know there's going to be a tragic, like, question about whether he's going to be able to or not. And at the last minute, he probably will oh, be. Oh, he'll do Bernie, it. Bernie, I'm sure Bernie will help him. Maybe Bernie and Gemma. Bernie and Gemma are either side of him, walking <sighs> him down the aisle. I'm crying is already. That, is that an it. aisle in a church or is it in the register office or, or what? I don't know. But, yeah, there's, there's going to be some, uh, some very tragic Tears wedding shed. scenes. Yeah. On Friday... It's Pride, and um, Summer, as a, as a straight girl, is trying to tell uh, Billy that he needs to get glittered up, which is always, <laughs> I'm sure, always people love to hear that from straight I know, people. Billy's about even Pride. a killjoy on like, Pride. He's like, I'm not... no, I'm not putting glitter in my beard. <laughs> um, he's not into it, but Paul's like, yeah, I'm going to have some, I, I, but I don't know if I want to go out for it. And um, Yeah, they kind of agree that they're just going to go and sit on the side and watch in the end, aren't they? Rather than. Well, Party that's not down. what happens. Billy and Paul get dressed up as the guys from ABBA um, and they're all ready to go uh, out with Bernie and Summer and Gemma, I think. But Bernie now recovered from her hospital trip on oh, Wednesday. that's what I was going to say. <laughs> there was this really... You know what you were saying about I wish they'd mentioned the stair lift? And we also complain about, like, oh, why isn't so-and-so character here when they really should be? Well, they addressed it, didn't they? On Wednesday, it was but it was Paul and Gemma's birthday. Probably the last birthday Paul is ever going to see. Where was his mum? Obviously, obviously, Jane and Hazelgrove was not available for whatever reason to, to film this scene. So we had to have a very protracted explanation of why Bernie wasn't there, which involved being poked in the eye with a pencil and going to A&E. I don't know what the, what the solution is. Is it don't mention it? Is it just say somebody say, oh yeah, she's just in the toilet. Of course she's here, or or do they just yeah, wait do until they pretend she's there? Like, or do they like go? But oh, Bernie, Bernie, bring over the drinks, but you never see her on screen. Yeah, I, they could have that. Couldn't I they? feel really sorry for Corey because they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. Here we yeah. moan when they're not in it. We moan when there's an explanation as to why they're not in it. They cannot win. I'm really just, sorry, Corey. Just, I wish I knew the answer. It's just like waving a big flag, really, isn't it? It's is like going, production issues. Yeah, anyway, so... Um, but yeah, she's, like, she makes up for it on Friday, doesn't she? Because she's got a rainbow in her hair. I liked... Uh, well, you pointed this out. Gemma's pride written back to front on her forehead. Yeah, because she obviously drew it in the mirror. That was a really <laughs> funny touch. Um, so they're all they're all ready to go, but guess what? What? There's there's a blimmin' occupational... Th- oh, it can't be occupational. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it's called. 
Is it? Yeah. But he's not got an occupation. That's what it is called, I promise you. Okay, so she's she's a party pooper, isn't she? Melody. She doesn't... She She's just she's obviously homophobic. Oh, is she working on a Saturday or is this a Friday? Going around ruining everyone's pride day. How <laughs> dare she? So she... Melody comes around and uh, she's obviously very lovely. I'm only joking. I don't think anyone takes me seriously anymore, which is the, the <laughs> sensible way to approach this. She comes around and Paul's like, oh, I wish you weren't here. <laughs> Um, is it, um, today of all days, the holy day. Can't you us. tell I'm gay? <laughs> yes. And Billy's like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Um, he's more gay than I am. I've got <laughs> glitter on my face. <laughs> so Melody says, um, well, I can go if you want me to. And Billy's like, no, 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 you've got to stay. Um, so she sits next to Paul to try to talk to him about what his Billy's needs are. Billy's just trying to stick his neb in, isn't he? This this is what is getting oh, under, underneath Paul's skin, that Billy's being a bit too micromanagey with everything related okay. to Paul's care, and he wants to be able to take control of it himself. I see both sides of this, because Paul is not... not... A, what's the word? Doesn't have a realistic perspective, it feels like. He's living in hope. Um, that he's he's not going to progress and do you think no I'm just trying to explain to you I'm trying to think of the right words to use to say and it's always difficult for me to try to phrase things correctly but I think Billy's got a much more Billy's got a better perspective because he's not living in Paul's head he can see that Paul needs a stair lift and a wheelchair. He's he's the one that has to carry Paul up the stairs when he can't make it. And Paul keeps insisting, I don't need this and I don't need that. And I can't remember who it was said to, but the lady that we met previously who has MND, she mm. was said she said, Don't wait till you need it, get it first. Yeah. I think it was just Paul she said this to. He's ignoring that piece of advice. But Billy's being realistic and he's like, No, we need this now. We need this before you 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 you, you like you can't walk anymore. I, yeah, so you I, think I he's do, interfering? He, he is, but I do feel sympathy so with Paul. him. He, Paul says he's interfering, but and... Billy's the one that's going to be caring for Paul when he can't do anything for himself. Mm. He's got just as much of a say in this. Yeah, and I understand Paul's perspective. I would hate to be in this situation. This is a nightmare, having to rely on other people. But but sort of. Um, Insisting that you're independent and you don't need X, Y, or Z, it's not helpful, is it? I don't think it. I don't think it's like that. It's more just a case of today of all days. Can can any day no, just I know. be me being That's part me? Part of the drama, though, isn't it? Yeah. But Melody's pointing out, and you know, this is a different. This is a way to reframe your thoughts on it. If you're if you're in Paul's position, is that these aren't things that are confining you. These are giving you independence. You're not confined to a wheelchair. The wheelchair is allowing you to move around the world as you used mm. to be able to. Gives you more freedom. Yeah. That's how you have you you have to train your mind. Yeah, when she says to him, Look, you are gonna need a wheelchair, Billy's right. You need to come to terms with the fact that the next stage will be you in a wheelchair. Yeah. And just the thought of never being able to leave that and that's where you're gonna die is just horrific. I know. So Billy goes later and Paul's just really frustrated. And yeah, like I said, I understand him too. Because he's undermining Paul. Paul at the moment has a certain amount of um, independence and he's defending it isn't he he's defending this from from what he thinks is Billy at, at kind of undermining him mm. and um, he's like I'm I'm in control you this is going too fast and I feel like I'm losing myself and Billy's like well it affects me too you're not the only person I'm trying to help you 
and I'm there to catch you literally when you fall but one day I won't be there to do it I need you to be able to take you know to use things to help you for that Mm. and he's like oh well you and uh but Paul says well you're you're so obsessed with how my uh, how I'm declining physically you're not thinking about my mental decline as well yeah they need therapy they need somebody to they there must be somebody who can help them all that money that, that <laughs> um, I'm just confused as to what Billy's spending all his money on. Because he must be getting all cash. this money. They don't live in a massive flat. No. Where's he? Where's all these savings going? <laughs> Giving them to the homeless, probably. Bloody do-gooder. Oh, no, yeah. Um, anyway, so, so, yeah, that money would be quite helpful for wheelchairs and stair lifts and, um, and therapy and stuff. But anyway called counselling so Paul gets himself out the, out the flat somehow and he's he's in Seb's garden and he's having a booze up and crying and David finds him now I'm glad that they reminded me of this because <laughs> David and Paul shared a cell this is how this Paul, is how Paul came, came into the came programme in the yeah when, when David was in prison that time and, and Paul was there too it, we, we, but I'm half of me is glad that they reminded us of that. The other half of me is saying, "Well, you kind of highlighted the fact that David's had nothing to do with this story so far, and he probably should have done." Because when Paul came back onto the show, didn't he come to? I can't remember whether he came to find David or whether he came to find Gemma. But I mean, I suppose the two don't have to be best mates just because they shared a cell together. But it, it has made me wonder, so is David going to be a part of this now? Or was it literally just a case for today's episode? Because David, I feel, has been... they've been I've been crying out for them to use David properly this year. Yeah, he's been kind of tangentially involved in the Max story. But it feels like, you know, compared to the days four or five years ago where David was the main character on Coronation Street mm. for years at a time, they've really given him not much to do at the moment. And... And I think he would be a natural fit as part of this story, maybe as a bit of an outsider to the whole love triangle of Paul, um, Todd and Billy. Maybe maybe David would be a bit of an escape for that. So I don't know. It, I, I think maybe it's, it feels like it's going to be a bit like Izzy when she showed up a few months ago and said, oh, being in a wheelchair is not so bad or whatever it was she said. Maybe this is all we're going to get from David, which would be a shame. It also could be one of those things where uh, it was supposed to be somebody else well, and they didn't turn up. <laughs> but that's not what I mean. They didn't turn up. They just couldn't make it. <laughs> I don't think that's what happens. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I really liked uh, David's inclusion in this. David goes around to number five and tells Gemma where Paul is and Gemma's worried about this and she, because he disappeared after that, doesn't he? And then she and Billy go out looking for him and then she finds out he's got an over the count and he's posted pictures of himself at Pride. <laughs> Not really. He's just posting on social media. Um, they look out the window and then they see him going into the Rovers with three drag queens. I can't, I can't believe. Oh, Paul's having a great time. What? He's being a right dick, isn't he? Really? He's being a bit of a dick here. He's, everybody was excited to go to Pride and then he ditches them. This is, I guess this is a way of asserting his independence, isn't it? Yeah. I don't need to spend the day with you. I can go and do what I want. I want to go to Pride. Everyone who wanted to go out has just spent the day missing Pride, looking for him. Yeah. I, I'm surprised that, you know, by this stage, especially considering his, his physical state, Billy should really have some kind of location tracker on Paul. At the I moment. don't think that would go down very well. No, just, well. you know, just what goes on on your phone. Yeah, you thing, know, yeah. find my family. Yeah, I know, but... Thing. I don't think Paul would go for that. And also, 
he's not all often out and about by himself. This is the first time I've lost him. Yeah, but he went out on a went out on a uh, about by himself oh, on Wednesday true. as well yeah, when he went right. to the priest. Well, he also went off and um, snogged that guy, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think if he's I was, up to all sorts. I, it's definitely not the sort of thing that Paul would want. No, but. Well, I don't he, think... He should be getting that at this stage. <laughs> I don't think that would be a productive conversation. <laughs> right, Paul and the Queens are having a great time with Glenda. At the bar, you've written the bra, but I, I think haven't. that would have... It's autocorrecting. Just the same as just earlier as well. on, it's autocorrecting Bryn is Brian. Brian. <laughs> Paul goes to the park with Brian. And, and he's such, <laughs> Brian a little, runs... such a little pickle. <laughs> Brian's such a pickle. <laughs> Billy comes in with a face like thunder. Where have you been? And Paul says, I wanted to have a good time by myself with these three. I like Glenda in this scene as well. And these these drag queens like, oh, you're welcome, aren't you? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm back for the rainbows, me. Was it Glenda that said that? Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, I'm so camp. I've got my own camping kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Summer, Asha and Nina come in, dressed as the Golden Girls, which is fantastic. I thought that Summer, and I've seen other people thinking that, when we first saw Summer, it did look like she was dressed as Cilla Black. Oh, okay. Well, I saw some... Another gay uh, icon. Yeah. I think any time you wear a wig. (laughs) Uh, I saw a funny... Where did it go? Somebody put on Twitter that they looked like... um... Oh, where did it go? Hang on. They they looked like Bette Lynch, Phyllis Pierce and Rita. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a bit of a while since Corrie's had a good... um... Fancy dress oh, excuse. Yeah, that's I that's used true. to complain that they had it too often. And now we're complaining that we don't. Ha- they don't have it enough. Um, Billy Billy starts getting at Paul again because he he doesn't like there to not be arguments and tension involved in any storyline that he's in. And um, the party is. Oh, he 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 doesn't get anywhere, so he goes back to the flat. And everyone in the Rovers is having a brilliant time except Paul. He's miserable. And so Gemma takes him back to the flat. Billy just came in and poured cold water over the whole thing. He was having a great time before his boyfriend turned up. It's difficult because Billy's, Billy's, you know, got just as much a right to have, protect his feelings and stuff. But he picks really bad times. (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't like, like, it's not fair to say that Billy could just has to be on automaton and only react in a positive way to everything that Paul does forever. Well, until Paul dies. Mm. Um, he's He's got feelings too. But yeah, like I said, he's not great at expressing Can't them at your moments, sort Billy. of appropriate times. So um, Gemma takes Paul back to the flat and he opens up to her about his, his time is running now. Uh, um, the only reason I'm hanging out with these the drag queens was because I they fell over again and they helped me and they and you know they they were the, like the the heroes of this the heroines of this story because <laughs> yeah. they um they rescued him and brought him to the Rovers and they were great I forgot have you written down who one of them the one, the one them in was, black and white is licorice black yeah the who, one that didn't say anything that wasn't wasn't credited in the episode. no it wasn't credited credited but um that was the person who uh, designed Gemma's uh, wedding dress the orange ones. Yeah, so. it makes me wonder whether they agreed to do that and then said, do I get to be on Corey? Yeah. Or, or was there some kind of, yeah, agreement? Yeah. Or was there, thank you for doing Gemma's wedding dress. Would you like to appear on this? It feels like it must have been something like that. I I'm really that glad was... that they were in, in, the, in the, the episode. And then we also had Kai Kelly and Bobby Twaddle, yes. who were the other two drag queens that didn't have names. They were drag queen one and drag queen two. Yeah. Um, which I thought was a missed opportunity because I would have liked to have known what, what their, their names. Well. Yeah, so um, he starts crying because you know, although he, he was put on a front, he's just had another 
terrible experience and it's his birthday well it was his birthday week birthday month and um everything's just going wrong in a irretrievably horrific way and Gemma tells him you cannot push Billy away I know you're sad but he's helping you you need to let him and he has another little cry after Gemma leaves so Todd sees Billy in the street and says do you still want that stair lift because that lady's still dead (laughs) <laughs> and Billy says I'm not, I'm not I'm not in Paul's good books at the moment you've got to talk to him about it not me so Todd's like oh mate do you want to have a drink so they go upstairs with a bottle of wine together don't they and Billy's opening up to Todd I completely think that Billy has got the right to vent about his situation and it probably is it's very healthy and positive because it helps him to work through his feelings and maybe once he gets it off his chest he'll feel better but not in not his in shot not in, <laughs> of honestly, your but I don't know if he, he knew that Paul he must have known that well, Paul well, was where there would Paul be? Where, where else would Paul be and it was one of the yet another case of a <laughs> coincidental overhearing but they don't have a small flat it, that's totally <laughs> on Billy what an idiot <laughs> Oh, oh, I know, I know, I mean, but what can it, you I couldn't figure out from watching the scene whether it's got, it's what, got... what it was that Paul heard and whether he heard differently than he thought he heard. Because no, he Bi- heard Bi- Billy said it was the other, um, remember the time that he went and snogged that person in the hotel? If Paul wasn't sick, I would have dumped him there. And I'm wondering whether Paul didn't hear the bit about the hotel, but was just thinking about, you know, him going off today. So he's thinking that. Billy's most angry about going off and today would have been the last straw otherwise. It doesn't particularly matter at the end of the day. It's not a nice thing to hear. No. Um, And I think the point that both of them probably understand but are not thinking hard enough about is that it wouldn't have happened if he wasn't sick. Yeah. So so he, he overhears Billy saying this and then he comes in and says, don't hang around for my sake and goes off to... To bed and Billy's like oh oh dear oh. <laughs> whoops whoopsie doodles <laughs> bugged it up again yeah that, that was the only bit that I don't necessarily need as but the part thing of is, story the, yeah I, I get yeah I agree with you there but I also think it's really realistic that there's a lot of tension within the, the relationship about what is happening here and I'm sure that happens lots of, in lots of couples. oh yeah I'm sure that there's definitely um, yeah not everybody is lovely and supportive 100% of the time and always says the right thing well even if they are lovely and supportive you still can put your foot in it yeah no that's what or I mean. you can still feel stressed out and fed up with being a carer because it, you don't you don't think of that happening in a relationship but everyone has a very rosy view of of what it's like but when somebody gets sick then it does turn into you be- being a carer yeah I, I, as a viewer though I suppose the the thing that's annoying me the most about this is I'm thinking well they're not going to split up over this there is no way that with the the, the promise of a, of a wedding in the, on the horizon with the tragedy of everything else they're not gonna, you know. I, I can, I can see Billy being there on Paul's bedside as he dies, unless they go down the, you know, the assisted suicide route and it's somebody else other than Billy, which is definitely possible with with Todd on the scene. I don't know, but um, they're they're not splitting up, are they? So the the final cliffhanger on Friday's episode was just a bit unsatisfying for me because it means there's going to be arguments next week, and probably by this time next week they'll have kissed and made up, and Paul will be like, yeah, you're right, maybe I do need to take it easy or, or listen to what you say. Mm. Um, 
What did you think of the whole getting the pride into Friday's episode? It was a bit of a surprise to me, because I don't think it's anything that Corey's particularly lent that for much into before. I think they've maybe mentioned it, but I think this is the 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 proudest, if you like, Corey has <laughs> ever been on screen. I mean, I, I thought it was great. I think that um, I was upset how many people obviously got triggered by this. Um, because the show was created by a gay man, I think it's totally appropriate that they celebrate Pride. And um... I'm just—I—I I was left thinking. I—I I, I, well, it did confuse me a bit about the day of the week. And I know that's a silly <laughs> thing to think about. Like, why was Gemma allowed to be at Pride? Is, is Henry letting her have the day off? Why wasn't Henry? At, I'm just bitter that Henry wasn't in Coronation Street at all this week. He could be very camp in Pride. I know he'd, he'd be brilliant. Um, no, I, I was just thinking like. Now Corey has uh, set a precedent. Do they feel that they have to mark Pride every year now? Because although if they it wasn't, don't do it next year, is yeah. it going to be like, ooh, what's wrong with? Yeah, Corey? exactly. And it wasn't like there were flags flying down the street or anything. But they did have a they they did um, have the rainbow flags up in the Rovers, um, and you know if they do have it every year, will it become one of these things like, oh no, not again? <laughs> But then, it, if it, but but for for that for the community, it is an annual thing, and it wouldn't feel weird to have it every year. Um, I don't know. It's like is is it like Christmas? Like, oh, do people say, oh no, not Christmas again? I can't believe they've mentioned that on Corrie again for December. <laughs> well, there are there are some big, you know, there are some things that arguably are bigger that they don't talk about at all. Mm. Um, but I I think Pride. I think it did. Uh, it felt totally at normal. It didn't feel like I was going. Oh, why is Curry doing all this pride stuff? It was like, oh yeah, I get this makes sense. It is big in Manchester at this time, isn't it? I mean, pride, as I say, pride is going to... on right now. We've, we've never been to the Manchester one, but we've no. been there in the days running up to it, and it, it definitely always feels like there's a big, you know, it's a big, a big affair that gets get everybody talking. So it, it didn't, yeah, it didn't feel out of place. I, I'm just again thinking of next year. If, if Paul is not still with us then, the double whammy of his birthday followed by yeah. Pride. That's going to be a, a, a mega Paul um, memorial, isn't Maybe, it? Maybe, yeah. They, well, they'll probably make like a Paul float or something. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was um, great. Uh, the the drag queens were, were funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, I like I said it felt totally normal. It didn't it didn't feel like the sort of thing where I was thinking this feels a bit shoehorned in here. I don't I th- it feels no. like um, yeah, it was fun and having Glenda being there front and center loved was, that, was yeah. the best. But this I think Sean uh, there on Friday's episode. I don't know, I maybe remember. you got the day off because it's pride. <laughs> <laughs> but I you know obviously on Twitter you get the usual idiots going moaning on about it, but um we only saw one or two. Yeah. Um really have a I just think Mm. Well, you, you think it's obvious, what I yeah. think. So, um, so we've now got the possibility of Todd and David being involved in the story. I think David less likely to be a a, a big part in it. Todd's been on the fringes, but um, I hope they don't go too quickly. I hope they don't go down the route of Paul suspecting that Todd and Billy are having a secret affair or anything like that. I think that's very unnecessary. Um, but I'd like to see the more serious side of Todd being there to, to help him out more. Mm. So yeah, very, very well told story. I think both this one and the Ryan one, to me, I was watching it going, yeah, this is, this is on the whole. Yeah. 
they're doing a good job with this. Well, I think, you know, I've seen lots of people, any, any story you see people complaining about it. And one of the complaints I saw was that they didn't, thought Billy was being stupid or um, overreacting or something. But I just, I just think everybody is acting in a realistic way. Um, and it's all understandable. And it's one of those tragedies where people come at things from a different perspective and then you're not necessarily wrong for how you think, but how you think is in conflict with how somebody else thinks. Yeah. So Billy wanting to to make sure that Paul's got all the help he needs versus Paul thinking that Billy's sticking his nose in. I can see why they both feel upset about it, mm. but what's the solution? I don't know. Yeah. And big shout out again to Peter Ash, who is still doing an absolutely brilliant He's job brilliant. At, at showing what this I, condition might be like. I don't know. I don't know where the story is going. You know, I've, my theory is that he's going to save somebody and die that way because I think. I don't really want Coach to do another assisted dying thing. I that I really really don't want that, but it feels like to me that's more the more likely well, one. The way he's, as, as how much been he's suggested. struggling physically, I don't see what how many he, there's not many athletic things he could do <laughs> to stop somebody from being run over by a car, for example. No, or jump in front of a bullet. Um, so I can see I can see it. I don't know where I started with this. What, just was, was just wondering where, where it's going to end up. Um, but yeah, I'm not I know what my point dying was. Story. My point was, I don't know where this is going, but if it, I'm sure the ending is going to be something amazing, sad, tragic. I think yeah, I think whatever it is, they'll they'll do a good job, even See, if it's if, not necessarily the way. If that he dies saving do somebody, I think that's going to be almost triumphant and um, kind of stealing your power back from this 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 illness in a way that's not. Um, because I think the thing also is that people with MND, I don't really want them to watch this and think, oh, maybe I should do the same thing as Paul because I'm a burden. You know, that's not what you want anyone to think about this. Mm. Anyway, my point was, you said Peter Ash is doing a brilliant job. I really hope that he gets nominated for some big awards. And wins. Oh, I think yeah, I don't know how much chance he's got of winning the awards. Because of, I don't know what other soaps are doing and also, um, I don't think Paul's a massively popular character. Definitely not before this this storyline. So that might count against him. But for as far as acting and performance goes, he's just being spectacular. He's doing such a brilliant job. And I think that he definitely deserves some recognition. Yeah. And I I, I really think that when they give a some good stuff that Dolly Rose Campbell is also being brilliant opposite him as well. There's almost nobody on Coronation Street that cannot rise to the occasion of what they're given. Yeah. And um, I think it's... Yeah, it's really good for for um, Gemma's character too, this storyline, because it's reminding yeah, everybody... Because she, what she was loved for originally was comedy and her vulnerability. And she just turned into a bit of a parody of herself in recent years, but this is bringing back her... Yeah. Dolly Rose's ability to... Um, perform lots of nuanced and emotional scenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, let's move on to the stiff competition. Talking about people dying, <laughs> let's move on to lovely segue into what's been going on with George and Todd this week. You know, I, can I just say, I, I know that Todd is not going to l- spend the rest of his time at rest easy because yeah. I know 
that when Paul dies, Todd will and George will be doing his funeral. That this is this is like I was saying Together. with the, um, the the falling out with Paul and T- uh, Billy at the end of Friday's episode. I'm thinking, well, it's not gonna, it's not going to last, is it? And this is another thing that's like I don't expect in the slightest for Todd to be staying at this other place. It's just a bit of a, a falling out, which means I wasn't super invested in it, and I. I there were bits of this story I enjoyed this week, but I did feel like it was a bit... I, I didn't like the childishness of George and Todd. And there was lots of really infantile bickering going on through this week. And I think that yeah, especially the character of Todd isn't isn't like that. I don't I, know. I, I, I think that the story could have worked better if, it, if, it, if they weren't so, you know, like two kids in a playground... And I was like, with Eileen, just rolled my eyes at, at bits of it. But anyway, so um, I just want to say about the um, about the funeral. I also think that if they don't have Glenda in her black hat, helping, <laughs> yeah. that would be missing a trick because I think she looked glorious in that. And when she first came in, that was the first sort of way we yeah. we met her, wasn't it? What about Mary dressed up as um, Marlene Dish? <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a fancy dress funeral. I, when when Mary came in dressed as that on Friday, I was like, oh, here we go. Mary being silly again. But actually, I quite enjoyed it because it was only about 20 seconds that she was in, wasn't it? Nobody recognised who she was. And then she, she walks out, walks out upset. Do you remember when Rita um, did a Marlene Deer trick act? Once. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I've got nothing to say about it, but she's also been home. Remember in the past. that, everybody. Um, so, Monday's episode, George is getting ready to uh, go to work in the morning, and he. He finds this re- the, the the rest easy business card kind of pops out of his pocket somehow, doesn't it? Like he's taken out a hanky. I can't remember how it, how it happens. Um, Todd spies him then, throwing it into the bin. And when he's left alone in the lounge, he fishes it out and finds out what's written on it. So this is something that happened a few weeks ago when Troy, the boss at Rest Easy, tried to um, poach Todd over to him and um, George understandably kept stuff about it because he wants the best young funeral director of the year working on his uh, patch. I think that Todd thinks, I think everybody thinks that this award he's got is bigger than it actually is. Todd's like saying, hey, look at my, look at my cardboard gold coffin that I've got here. This means something. Well, it doesn't really. You can get awards for anything these days. When it comes to funeral directors, you go to the nearest one. Yeah. You don't go, well, who's the most award-winning funeral director in the local area? No, this award's where two people were, there were only two, two people, people that were it. up for the award, and, and my one's the one that won it, so yeah, I'm going to keep hold of you. But anyway. But if you're listening and you are an award-winning funeral director, I want you to know... We're proud of Michael you. Michael and I are really proud of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Glenda gets talking to Todd uh, later and he because he's saying to her, Look, your brother has been really controlling at the moment. And she says, Look, just just talk to him about it. So um, they, they kind of have a conversation when George gets back home, uh, gets get back late from a, ca- a house call later. Todd's kind of angrily cleaning a car bonnet or something, isn't he? Because George, George is, should have been back ages ago. And um, he says, George tries to... Um, lighten the mood of the conversation by getting Todd talking about what sort of coffin he'd want to be buried in. And Todd says, oh, well, yeah, I'd like one with a picture of me on. Is which that what I he hear, really said? Yeah. And I hear rest, rest easy, do them at a better price than we do. Oh. Is that a thing? A, a picture on your coffin? I've seen them with, in, in the graves. And again, no offence to anybody. On a gravestone. On a gravestone. And no offence to anybody who has this, but I don't, I don't like those myself. 
Well, you don't have to have one. I, I like or maybe, just, I'll, maybe I'll get just, you one. Just the words you. are good for me. The picture, having a maybe picture a on your motif. coffin is a bit like what the Egyptians did, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because the whole thing was like, this is what this person looks like, no need to open it. And we were like, nope, think I will anyway. <laughs> want to see what's in here. Um, so George is not impressed to hear his rivals being brought up again. Um, and Todd later on meets up with Troy in the bistro. And Troy definitely seems interested in having him um, on his uh, under his employ. But Todd's like, no, I'm not, not, not making any commitments to this yet. Uh, but he does ignore a phone call from George, which shows that he's somewhat interested. Interestingly about this with Troy trying to poach Todd on the basis of him winning this award. Todd only won the award because he told the uh, funeral um, award givers that he thought that it that commercialising the business of funeral direction directors was bad. Yeah, he did, and he was they? being he was sort of like mirroring George's ethos of customer first. Yeah, when so he was he going knew, through his interview, we kind yeah. of said, "Oh, hasn't Todd changed? Yeah, he's, he's not in it for the money anymore." But I, I think some of what he's done this week he's maybe felt a little bit guilty. A lot of this is... He mostly seems to be moving over to Rest Easy, not because of their business um, values or anything, but because he's just annoyed at George. Well, also, I think um, with Todd, there's a bit of spitefulness of, well, if you think I'm like that, then I'm going to be as like that as I can be. You know, Mm, if you think I'm a cutthroat capitalist, then I'm going to be the most cutthroat capitalist there ever was and take that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, a, a coincidence of the episode um, on Monday was George coming into the bistro and seeing the two of them together. And he's livid that Todd's shown such a lack of loyalty here. And they start arguing. Um, and, uh, well, Troy steals away that the client that George had come into the bistro with. Um, so things have calmed down later and uh, they, they realise that, that um, Troy's... Um, gone off with with George's client, so he hurries off. They carry on arguing at home later. There's just so much arguing with this this week. So honestly, they need to start a podcast, don't they? George is Once so betrayed about it. Yeah, and Todd says, <laughs> "Well, well, you know, I've got my award, so you actually you need me more than I need you." I would think that the name Shuttleworth carries a little bit more clout to it than some rubbishy award don't you think well, this is a family business that's allegedly been going back over a hundred years yeah and also that means something i think there's a bit of a bit of kudos if if we're going to pretend that anybody cares about young what is it funeral, funeral director, director of the, of the year, year then there's surely there's a bit of kudos in training the young funeral director of the year yeah and then george could say that, couldn't he? Oh, you might have done. You know, you never got anywhere without me. I no, no, no. I mean, like, when you're promoting your business, you could have said, Oh, yeah. you know, we, we trained, whatever. Yeah. I don't think anyone cares. No. So, anyway, Wednesday, they have more of a bicker over breakfast. George stomps out to work. because well, he, He's originally saying, Oh, I, I've still got to work with you for four weeks. And George's like, Well, consider no, you yourself don't. on gardening leave. So, so, so he, he goes off. Um, Imagine getting time off just to work on your garden. <laughs> then they have that scene later, don't they, where Todd's on the phone to this guy from uh, from yesterday <laughs> saying, oh, I'm so sorry you had to witness this. Honestly, we're, we're very discreet or, or whatever it was that he was saying. And you're led to believe that he's trying to woo him back over to Shuttleworth. But then it turns out, no, he's, he's working for Rest Easy. And then George is like, well, I hope you two are going to be very happy together. So Glenn just chatting with George in the pub later. He's looking a bit maudlin. 
and uh, says, look, am I, am I stuck in the 70s? And she's like, no, no way. You are a little bit old before your time. Maybe the business needs a bit of a zhuzh, um, starting with a decent online presence. Um, and he says, well, you, you could, you know, you could come and work for me. You seem to know... Things. Thing. You need you know, you know stuff, Glenda. Um, but she's like, no way. Um, so then this, this turns into him trying to find somebody to work for him at Rest Easy. And he goes through Glenda... He tries to get Eileen there. I'd kind of like to see that. Eileen working in the funeral directors for a bit. I think it would be... Because she's so not suited to so it. Grumpy. She says, I haven't got a compassionate bone in my body. That might make quite an amusing few scenes. I'd love to see Eileen, like, um, forced to comfort some sobbing, yeah. hysterical person who's, like, hugging her and crying everywhere. Um, and... Perhaps we take the sting out of making fun of grieving people by being <laughs> it's a cat or something. I don't know. I don't know. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of mileage and, and and Coronation Street is not afraid at all about making jokes with the um, Shuttleworths and no, God no. Uh, that would be amusing. Well, all we got was Friday's episode, which was um, Mary being enlisted well Mary kind of volunteers herself doesn't she to help out with George and he's not really keen but then they go off to a do together which we don't get to see any of just the fact that it turns out that she's done an okay job and and George is kind of threatening to keep Mary on for good but actually he's got no intention of it because you know she's Mary yeah exactly I love the idea of Mary working with George it's going to be and and if Todd comes back it's going to be like the old team at the at the um florists don't you think that would be amazing i don't know i think mary would be brilliant i think you know there's this could breathe new life into mary as a character i think she's absolutely fine at the florists i think that she's probably would be over the top too much i mean it's already they some people say that they touch on comedy a little bit too much with the whole setup with george and todd but i think that having mary there would just be the last straw for some people i think it would be for me I don't. I don't need to see that. I, but I, I wouldn't mind Eileen. But, the but thing, I think Mary would be too much. But the, the thing is, the the reason it appeals to me is that I know that there's criticism about the jokes on the about the funeral directors, and so, sometimes it is directed at the people who are customers or the the deceased. Yeah. But if we had Mary, then the jokes would be mostly about her, and it feels less problematic do you know what i'm saying yeah like to just shift the focus of the jokes being about oh so and so is a bit eccentric and thingamabob wants this for the you know wants the gold plated whatever Um, i just think it's a bit of a moot point because todd's going to be coming back at some point anyway he he and george do work really really well i miss todd and mary working together i thought that it was todd and tracy that's who i kind of a picture at the florist shop i don't know was was mary there as well Maybe I'm wrong then. Maybe it was both. Of them. Never I can't happens remember. normally. I can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, I just I just didn't particularly get on with this story because I, I thought they were being far too childish. But if it was Todd and, and Tracy, then I just kind of want a bit more collaboration between the florists and and Shuttleworths hmm. because that that group, that trio of yeah. Mary, I'm sure Mary and Todd worked it there at the same time, okay. and Tracy. But who knows? I think they would make a great dynamic, and it would be fun. 
imagine having um like uh, this would i don't think this would ever happen in real life but imagine where there would be like a weekly meeting where tracy meets up with the funeral directors to go over what kind of flowers are coming up and stuff mm. and just how much um bitching and complaining and sniping would go on yeah it's kind of a fun. similar dynamic between what used to be with maria and david where yeah. there's this very kind of easy relationship whereby they're so comfortable they they insult each other without really you know having a yeah. an emotional impact on each other yeah. anyway maybe maybe blah blah, blah. um Ronnie's story Gemma <sighs> this, this one um, insider trading this was the one that I remember last week I was more into you were less so I didn't particularly enjoy it on Monday's one um but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested still to see where it's going to lead to. It's a business conversation. Go on. Debbie and Ronnie start the week reminding us the brewery is going to be bought out and if they buy shares, they could make a mint. And Ronnie is a bit unsure about this. Debbie's the one that's driving Debbie's it, driving she? She's this. She's the most cutthroat. Um, and we all already heard Ed saying he's not interested. Yeah. And um, on... Ronnie is helping Ed take stuff out of Skip and Ed... This is where Ronnie does his Ed impression, doesn't he? Do you remember? I can't remember what it is he says, but he does a great Ed voice. Do you a favour? <laughs> yeah. Ed brings up the cottage renovations, that he wants to do that. And Ronnie says, look, you're not being ambitious enough. We should do the chairs thing. We could make a killing. And he tries to convince Ed, but Ed says, no, I'm not doing it. And he says, oh, no, it's a gamble. I'm not interested. And I re- didn't put two and two together here until he said that. That if Ed is if Ed is a recovering gambling addict, then getting involved in stocks and shares seems like an absolutely stupid idea. That, oh yeah, I and think I, they made something of that last week. As yeah, well. I, well, I didn't even think about it yeah. until he brought it up himself. But yeah, you, you stay as far away as possible. Imagine if he gets hooked on it again, mm. you could lose so much money on yeah that. You said it like you have. Yep. <laughs> no. Yep. no. <laughs> I don't understand how shares work. So I delete that out from my phone. The stocks were. Ugh, yeah, I know. Buy, buy, buy. Sell, sell, sell. That's, that's all I. Like. I think you should buy it when it's cheap and sell it when it's expensive. <laughs> Ronnie t- says, talk to Aggie. I'm going to talk to Aggie about it. Ronnie's in the hospital later with Michael because they t- there's, a, there's a story later on about Cassie, and we'll t- which we'll tell you later. And he says he's just come to look for, for Aggie. And they sit down in A&E together while Michael waits to get his um, punched face seen to. And Michael says... We should have done that other story first, really. It made more sense, but would, never mind. It? Michael says, oh, well, you think this is bad. Um... It's nothing compared to what Aggie goes through as a nurse and the, the patients are really abusive and violent. So Ed finds Ronnie in the pub later and Ronnie says, I've, I've heard terrible things about the, the working situation for Aggie um, and I'm going to tell you. And they're back at number three and um, Ed is very upset to hear about this and he wants her to cut back on her in, on her working shifts and Michael says, no, I thought this was, I thought this was a bit contrived. Michael's like, no, Aggie and I both work every minute of every day because we're scared that you will gamble again hmm. and then we'll be poor and have to live in a worse house than this. Yeah, it, it was it all felt very, a bit silly. It, uh, the, the, the secret that Michael and Aggie have supposedly been having all these years. That... Is that they've been working so that they have a, have a nest egg mm. for when he falls off the rails. Why not? limit Ed's ability to ruin the family finances 
first, <laughs> then make money. Yeah. Also, why is Michael... I mean, I know he lives with his parents, but he really should be making money to support his daughter, not his parents. <laughs> I know. Anyway, yeah, that, that felt like a bit of a crowbar, didn't it? To try to make Ed feel guilty about... And motivate him mm. to try to he kind of yeah he sort of money. tacitly gives Ronnie permission to to go ahead with the shares thing. I thought at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. In the in the Rovers later, Debbie and Ronnie uh, talk about this deal, and Ed, Ronnie's going to go um, ahead with it. And um, yeah, he he kind of is going ahead with it, but Ed doesn't know, and it's almost like Ed's burying his head under the sand about it, and yeah, w- whatever happens happens, but. Um, yeah, that's where we kind of left on Monday. On to Wednesday, Ronnie tells Debbie, bought the shares. Debbie's like, hooray. They're kind of walking um, down from um, Worsley Street, aren't they, at the beginning yeah, of Friday's episode? Well, it's like, oh, to... is that the direction of the hotel, is it? I don't know. Or they, it was uh, just a car park around the corner, maybe. Well, De- Debbie looked fabulous, didn't she? <laughs> oh, yeah, she did. She had a full-on outfit on, didn't she? A full-on, um, what was it, like a beige jacket and trousers yeah. in a very pale pattern. She says, don't worry, Ed won't suspect a thing. Ronnie and Ed meet up in the bistro later to look over the paperwork. And Dee Dee jumps in and says, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have a look at it for you. Looks like not only is she the best damn lawyer in the whole north of England, but she's also doing their accounts as well. Yeah. And Well, she wants to, but well, Ronnie's able to get out of it. Yeah, back at home, back at home Ronnie's like, look, I don't think um, I've got somebody else doing the book, some mates' rates. And Ed's like, oh, well, Dee Dee should be doing it because she's family. And Ronnie says, I know what I'm doing. Don't don't question me. I'm the businessman out of the two of us. So mm. Ed hasn't been running his own business for years. <laughs> and um, he he kind of insinuates that he doesn't want Dee Dee knowing his business. Well, but no, really because he, means, he, he... Yeah, but, no, yeah. but he's been quite upfront to Ed about, like, I think we should separate it a bit more. I mean, the irony of telling your brother that you should separate business from family... Uh, it's quite funny, but <laughs> I d- I'm just still a little bit confused about how much Ed does and doesn't know about Ronnie's up to, and it, it, you know, he Ronnie's talking to Debbie about saying oh, Ed, Ed will never know, but he's put the idea up there. Surely Ed's not just forgotten about Have it. I missed... He was kind of on Monday's episode saying, "Well, I'm going to put the accounts over to you," which is giving him permission in a way to to go for it. Have I missed something, um, or was it stated? Is Ronnie using both their money or just Ronnie's money? Oh, yeah, that's the point. I think it must be just... I don't know. Just his money. I don't know. I, I think the mentioned. fallout's going to be bigger if it's both of their money. Because mm. I'm, you know, obviously thinking here, this is all going to go wrong, isn't it? Yeah. No, There's no way Ronnie's going to make 50 grand or whatever he thinks out of this deal. The fact he's being underhanded about it, the fact that he's using such a large amount of money, how excited he and Debbie are. You just know that something bad is going to happen. I do. I wonder whether Ronnie's going to actually properly get in trouble because of it, though. Is this the beginning of an exit storyline for Ronnie Bailey? Does he get sent off to prison for his insider trading? Well, I mean, Debbie never got in trouble about the whole whole fraud thing that she did. I love how Debbie, you know, with the the bistro break-in last year, she's going to get Ryan to do all of this. She just sits yeah, back and say, oh, I didn't true. know. She's like, and then this year, she's saying, oh, yeah, I think you should do that. But she's not going to be the one that gets in trouble. She's so insistent that nothing could go wrong. Why don't she invest some of her money in uh, Newton and Ridley shares? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, 
the question is, in in re- real life, how easy would it be to prove that Ed, uh, that Ronnie had insider information? I don't. I don't know how you possibly would. I don't think you could. the The, the link is that they had a meeting about it in a pub that his girlfriend owns. Mm. That's not illegal. No. I don't. I think it would be a bit tough, but I also don't know what the threshold is and how these. How how this is is this tried in court? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how it works. Would this be a court case? I don't know how. I wonder how soon it's going to happen as well, because probably in real life these kind of business deals would take months to get through, but in in quarry terms, it could be mere weeks before I don't know Ridley they... is under different ownership. I don't know. It kind of makes me sad to feel that it's going to get new owners. And I I'm still think... left with a lingering question that I had last week of how much does Henry know about this. Well, it's possible they're not going to end up with new owners if this. If we're kind of banking on the idea that this is going to go wrong. Mm. The the easiest way of it going wrong is that Newton really doesn't get taken over. Yeah, that's true. But then, what what consequences does that have for for Ronnie and and Ed? Just that is that is Ronnie not going to be able to go forward with the business at that point? Well, I mean, you're not going to lose the, the money on the shares because the shares are still the shares, aren't they? Yeah. There's still twenty five thousand pounds, so it's got to be something really bad happens to Newton and Ridley for this to for this well, to may- maybe it's going to be something with old pervy Philip, and and maybe the the business takes a hit when something comes out about him being a massive lech. I don't know whether that's I, the I, sort of thing that can happen in business. Ugh, I don't not, like business. I'm still really interested in the whole Newton and Ridley thing. That my my problem on um. On Monday's episode, really, with this was the whole mixing up of Aggie's getting beaten up at work. Yeah, Ed is apparently not known for all this time. He, you know, he's one thing to have your head in the sand about your brother doing insider trading, but would he really not know that that Aggie was getting hit at work? I don't understand why they went down that route with it, and they and not the idea of somebody just saying where Aggie's in bed because she's so tired because she works so hard. Mm. We don't. You don't need to be. You don't need to be beaten at work to find it difficult to do lots of shifts. No, and I just don't believe that Ed would have no idea that that she's getting beaten. Does she never speak to him? It just seems very unhealthy that that we're supposed to just accept that Michael and Aggie are sort of piously suffering yeah. through incredibly difficult working conditions purely on the basis of their fear that that Ed will gamble again and and we're supposed to just accept that's a noble and um and good idea that they're both not not question them on it and say it sounds like you're both being a bit silly to be honest we we've been led to believe as far as you know what what it is in my head as well where Ed and Aggie have got some of the most uh, the strongest, strongest relationship. relationship on the street so to have all this you know secret I'm not going to tell you something, and it, it doesn't really it fit bit, for me. It was a bit hyperbolic, wasn't it? Yeah, I, it really, really was. It, just we didn't need a, to jump to, you know, it kind of makes it sound like Aggie's been involved in some kind of NHS themed fight club yeah. to try to get money for <laughs> to stop Ed, Ed gambling. The way that Friday's episode was left last week made it look pretty much like Ronnie was going to get these shares anyway. So a lot of what happened on Monday's episode to push him into getting feeling them, like he had feeling like it didn't it didn't but he didn't even seem to actually make a a, a real really concerted choice no he just kind of left it to his brother so yeah um 
I just think we don't need to jump to the most dramatic way of telling every story. No. What about having Dee Dee getting involved in Friday? Is that going to be anything? Like, it could have been quite exciting if she had ended up working for them, found out about it. Should I do the right thing here? You know, she got herself in trouble when she, she knew something with the whole Sarah and Adam affair a few months ago. But now, you know, she's not involved in it. So what was the point of that whole exchange on Friday? Well, it still might be that she's the catalyst that gets them found out because she might be like, well, why aren't I allowed to be involved in it? Or this might trigger something in her to find it suspicious. Yeah. And I suppose the fact as well that the Stephen and Jenny story is warming up this week and that's all kind of pubby stuff. Maybe that means that next week more will become clear and, and it'll be a bit be a more of a major story then, I, I don't know. Um, just want to, before we move on to the next story, give a bit of a shout out to um, Glenda making fun of Debbie's height <laughs> as, a, as a fellow shorty. Um, it, what was it, Glenda saying to Debbie, oh, you should be stood up behind the bar if you want attention. Oh, you are. I thought that was great. Um, and do you, anything you want to add about the editing of Chip Eating on Friday's episode? Because you pointed out oh, a bit no. of editing shoddiness there. I was just being... Uh, no. I was just being um, observant. There was a scene on Friday where Ronnie's eating his chips and one camera shot, he's got two chips on his fork and then they cut to him from another angle and he's just got one chip on his fork. It was terrible. It was that? awful. Who ever, who was responsible for that blunder, honestly? Now, <laughs> whenever I, whenever people eat on Corey, I always pay a lot of attention to it. Not because I'm trying to catch anyone out, but because I find it amusing how they don't, they, they take great pains to not actually put anything in their mouths. And I always used to think, and I'm sure lots of other people felt the same way, that they do it because they're actors and they've got fussy diets or they don't want to put weight on or any of those kind of things. It's actually because of continuity because if they take a great big bite out of the... Like, Ronnie's, Ronnie spent the whole meal without once cutting into that lovely piece of battered cod he had in front of him. And it's because then they can't use... They can't mix the scene up or like use a bit where the fish has got a big hole in it and then it cuts yeah, back. Yeah, but it looks like old Vinter can't resist a chip on a fork. Right I know, in I was front quite surprised. Like, he must have you been imagine him eating chip. it and then going, no, Vinter, no. Don't, don't eat that, don't that chip. chip. Now we need to find another chip that looks identical to your last one. Ask her it. Where's the chip wrangler? Right, um, Cassie come home story now. So um, this was an odd one as well this week. Not very much Evelyn in it, which was a bit of a pain. And and I was kind of looking through the week still thinking, oh, I'm, I kind of want to like Cassie, but it looks like they're definitely building her up to be somebody that I don't like. Because she is, in many ways, very, very similar to Jackie Dobbs, who is a character I absolutely loved but watching. But she's similar to Abby as well. Yeah, I, but I'm, yeah, exactly. So Jackie and Abby, both characters that I... Like. really enjoy so I'm thinking well obviously I, I, I'm, I'm gonna like Cassie then but as the week goes on I'm thinking oh no she's very very unlikable I think I think that's on purpose what's she up to so um, we, we saw on the end of last week's episode she still had some of those drugs in her handbag didn't she and she tells Tyrone on Monday that she's going across to the Citizens Advice Bureau but actually what she's doing is going along to Villains Alley where she meets up with Dean who was, and I didn't even notice this when I saw it, but you pointed out, didn't you? This is Abby's old drug dealer, who she was having a lovely old time with um, before she gave birth to Alfie last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether we, I can't remember whether we know much about him other than he's just her drugs dealer, but nothing's been made of this fact yet. Clearly, at some point in the future, Abby's going to recognise him or something like that. Well, this that. makes me wonder whether he might have a more significant role 
than we first thought because oh, for who is it that Gary murdered? Rick Nealon. Rick Nealon. Rick Nealon was in the show for years as kind of a very low key but persistent Corrie villain. Yeah. And then if eventually he became a lot more significant until Gary ended up killing him. Mm. Is Dean going to end up in a similar way where we just get drip fed him over a course of a few years and then finally mm. Coronation Street thinks, oh, we can do something Maybe. with this character. Maybe. Or we need a character who's going to do X, Y, Z. Oh, look, Dean's already here. Yeah, We've already established him, him as a, as a wrong in. I found, I remember when we watched the episode last year where he was parting it on down in number 13, he felt like a bit more of a fun character. <laughs> and, you know, what was he doing? He was snorting drugs off of a picture of Jack Webster yeah. and everything. But he was having a good old time. Well, everyone's he, happy when they're he, on drugs. He definitely um, came across as being a, a not very nice chap in Monday's episode. Well, it's because it's about money, see? Yeah, he, he finds out that Cassie's not got any money on her and he pushes her down to the ground and, oh... What are the chances of that? Uh, Luckily, somebody happens to be walking past to spot them. And this time it's Michael. Bizarre having Michael included in this story. Like, I assume he's going to have nothing to do with it in the future. But I I, I don't know. He was there at that time and he takes Cassie to hospital. And they they get talking about... um, about kids and she says oh yeah I've seen you with a little girl around and he's like oh yeah that's that's glory mama mum's not on the scene anymore um and she she's like okay lovely lovely just trying to get rid of him um because I guess she doesn't want anybody that's living on the street to find out about the nature of what put her there i.e chatting with a drug dealer well it's no but yeah she's not going to be asked that in the hospital but the hospital might say well, you seem to have a very high level of X, Y, or Z in your yeah. system, or yeah. have you taken any drugs recently? Mm. Which she, you know, if you want the best care, you have to say. Yeah. Michael is, because he's a nice chap, is determined to stay there and, and sit sit through with her. Um, and he says, look, you know, Pete, there might be support for women in situations like you. Oh, yeah, what kind of situation? She's like, look, look, it looks like this guy's abusing you. And she just kind of glares at him and says, no, no, I just fell over. So Michael comes back from the coffee machine or something or other later and Dean's turned up. Um, he's got to into continue a... continue the fight. So yeah, basically for round two. It's um, like, um, uh, what's his, Peter Griffin and the chicken. Yeah, <laughs> just like that. Just Michael like intervenes, it. gets himself a punch in the face and this is when Ronnie shows up from somewhere or other. He, he had said to... Ed was it I think earlier I'm going to go and speak to Aggie myself but it was another very well timed coincidence at that moment that his nephew was getting punched in the face that's when he walks in through the door but anyway luckily for Michael he sees Dean off uh, on his way and um, and he's like saying to Michael that you shouldn't be getting involved with this woman so the the one I think appearance of Evelyn we get this week is Roy's round the flat later the the precinct flat Tyrone comes round because he's looking for his mum doesn't want anything to do with Evelyn um, and she's like oh yeah well she's gone on she's gone missing has she not surprised she's probably come here caused havoc and presumably now we're not going to see her for dust uh, and she better check the kids picky banks because she's probably raided those two well she's wrong because eventually Cassie eventually does come home lies about why she's got this bandage round her wrist. And um, they just... Um, oof, I just had a bit of a rumbly tummy there. She's she's not pleased to hear that Tyrone's been round to see Evelyn uh, and that Evelyn has said that she's back on drugs again. He's like, I don't think that... She's, she's kind of... Um, she's intimidating him into not 
following his suspicions about her almost, isn't she? She's like being really like, you better not say anything bad about me. You better not think anything bad about me. Anybody thinks, says that I'm on drugs, you'd better not, Tyrone. You got, you need to show me loyalty now. And you don't need to, you don't need anybody else. You don't need your nan. You don't need to phone up your nan to say that I'm back. It's just you and me now, kid. So mm. Tyrone's in a bit of a difficult situation here. Mm. Um, and also, obviously, the girls aren't here at the moment because they're with Fizz. Um, so it really is just the two of them. And Funny they've... they still have that chinchilla. I know. So on the, uh, Wednesday... The chinchilla would be like, Tyrone, don't listen to her. Uh, she's clearly high she's on clearly smack. Um, Cassie finds out about Jackie Dobbs a little bit. She gets a mention on Friday's episode. Shout Jack and Vera get a ch- shout out as well. Uh, as Tyrone's there peeling potatoes, massive load of potatoes for a... What was it? A shepherd's pie? It was a very making. shallow shepherd's pie for the amount of potatoes that he peeled. Mm. Maybe he's freezing some. Maybe he's being practical and doing lots oh, of... Oh, that's a good idea. Some meals at a time. That sounds like the sort of thing that Tyrone would do. Tyrone loves batch cooking. She says, why don't you invite your mates round so I can get to know them? So he brings round Abby and Kevin, which gets her back up because Abby... Um, brings up the fact, oh, I used to be an addict. Doesn't mean I love my children any less. And Cassie's like, did you just bring her around to try and guilt trip me about my druggy past? No, thank you. She doesn't want to be lectured to. No, she doesn't. And patronised. Yeah. Um, so but she also is still a drug addict. Yes. Abby leaves Awkward. and tells Cassie, look, just go easy on Tyrone. He's a good man. Well, um, I thought Abby was... Uh, this showed how much Abby has matured as a character... As, didn't it? Like yeah. she's she's very um, emotionally mature here, and she's she's not making it about herself. She's, she's not trying to hide her Sympathising with Cassie and uh, trying to to give her support, and she's not she doesn't you know she's not taking it personally when Cassie rejects her. And mm. yeah, good job, Abby. No, yeah, nothing yet has been made about them sharing dealers, but I'm sure that's still to come. They've they've got the, the fact link they've there. got Abby in the story, and they've they're using yeah. Dean. Is uh, yeah. makes it feel like inevitable Absolutely. face-off somewhere. So once they've gone, Tyrone says, look, sorry, I didn't mean for that to happen like that. Cassie is just... she She's making him nervous. Saying, How, what are you doing bringing her around? Tyrone is obviously desperate to cling on to his mum that he's never known. And I think this was really good writing because it, this is showing Cassie's manipulation mm. yeah, that's that, that Evelyn's been, been talking about all this time. And Tyrone has not really realised what she's doing. Mm. She is, yeah, really manipulative and emotionally, um, uh, yeah. I think think it's really clever. I think maybe he is noticing it, but he does see the best in everybody. And and he's thinking, look, yeah, I want a relationship with my mum. Maybe I can, maybe she'll relax maybe she'll calm down maybe i can change her maybe she's just on edge because of her background if you think about it right tyrone has had two two previous mother figures he had jackie who's dead Mm -hmm. he had vera who's dead and now he's got a a third mum and this is his real mum yeah and he's desperate for a connection he's trying to um they haven't really said this in the show, but this feels like his motivation. Like he's got a, he's got a third chance now of having a mum, and he would do anything really to make this okay. Well, I'm seeing kind of shades of the relationship between him and Kirsty at the moment because yeah. he, she was there clearly abusing him. He knew that he was being abused, but he was putting up with it 
for the sake of the daughter, for the sake of their marriage, because he thought that, you know, it's it's not your fault that you're doing this to me. Yeah, he was being... Uh, he was trying to be a good person. Yeah. And absorb some of the, the abuse. Mm. So I, I don't know where this is going necessarily. Um, I, I'm, I'm less sure than I had been before that Cassie's going to be sticking around the show. It feels like she's just going to be coming in to do a bit of a guest spot, if you like. And yeah. Disappearing after... That's sad because I ways, uh... think Claire Sweeney's doing a fantastic job and I'd love to have uh, her in the show permanently. But yeah, like you say, it doesn't feel like there's a place because... Not because she's manipulative... But because she doesn't have anywhere to live. <laughs> and I think um, we talk about this later, don't we? About, about um, are we going to talk about sets and things? But I don't know. Oh, well, I'll just say it now then. We were talking in the car again when we were going camping. And I realised that in Coronation Street, if you want to be a major character, you have to have, this is all, this, these bits are obvious, you have to have a job don't you? Or you have to have a relationship. But the other really important thing you need is a set of your own. Mm. And there are some characters, like for example Toya, who doesn't have any of those things at the moment and that is to the detriment of her character and that's why she doesn't appear as much as she used to. Somebody like um, uh, Tyrone's mum, Cassie, she doesn't have... Well she does though because she's got the precinct flat and it's like they've designed a whole set for her. Okay so there you go then. She could be a permanent character because we do need people like this who are antagonistic and and kind of a villain. Um, We don't really have that kind of thing permanently so I'd love to see her, her do that. But she's also, she is the sort of person that Corey likes to take the rough edges off once the initial yeah. storyline has, has yeah. gone. I don't, I don't think that she can stay around if she's like this. Like, I don't know whether Jackie Dobbs would have worked as a permanent character. She's much better somebody coming in, causing chaos for a little bit and then going off again. But I really like Cassie. I, I hope that she does stay. But, you know, they, they, and they have given her a set. But, you know, say she's only on a year contract or six months or whatever. Um... Why don't we give that flat to Toya? Could do, could do. We, Toya needs a, Toya needs a, a set. <laughs> um, the, Tyrone and Cassie end the uh, episode on Wednesday, was it? I think, yeah. Having a, a two-minute quiet sit. They say, look, we're maybe we're coming on too, too, too strong. Maybe we need to take this, having a relationship slower. Let's just sit and enjoy each other's company. Sipping our tea for two minutes. And the camera pans away and then we don't see them again, so... As far as, as far as we know, they're probably still doing it. Well, I thought this was I thought this was a really interesting scene because clearly Cassie has a level of emotional intelligence and she's desperately trying to build this relationship with Tyrone. But she she kind of switches from that being a priority to drugs being a priority, which is totally what an addict would do. Mm. But she's she's obviously got like, she's not being clumsy about it. That's the thing what I'm trying to say. There have been loads of loads of storylines where some estranged parent has come back and has, has kind of clumsily tried to rebuild a relationship in a really ham-fisted way that's backfired on them. Whereas Cassie, you know, her sitting there saying, we, we should spend three minutes just, just in each other's company in silence just to get, grow comfortable with one another. That's a really, really emotionally advanced thing to say. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah. So, so the fact that she is also manipulative makes me think she's going to be very dangerous for Tyrone because she's got the intelligence to be able to really get under his skin and maybe he, she might even, when Fizz comes back, try to interfere in that relationship. Yeah, the possibly. way that other people have done before. 
Um, and it could end up with, you know, maybe uh, them splitting again. I don't know. But I, I just think Cassie's very dangerous because oh. she is so clever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, Fizz can't come home soon enough. And she's I, very selfish as well, mm. obviously. Um, speaking of uh, of redheads, let's uh, let's finish this off with the old Jenny story. Well, it started off being Lily's story because it's it's her birthday, isn't it? She's ten. I can't believe that Lily's ten. Aww. Ten years we've had her on the street. Uh, if you if you do ask me how old you are, they'll be like oh, five. It's crazy yeah, I know. how the time has passed. I'm, I was upset that she didn't get a bir- any football themed birthday present. She got a makeup kit. That's all we saw. Did she? I can't remember. I wasn't really paying well, attention. Well, I, I was expecting, you know, because obviously she's super into the Lionesses when um, the team won the Euros mm. and they got, we made it all the way to the, we did, you know, I was I was one of the men. Yeah, people. you were just, you were just waiting in. on the bench to be called up. I was you? like, well, never let me on to play. It's not fair. Anyway, got all the way to the World Cup final. You thought that Lily would still be inspired by her footballing <laughs> passions enough she to She doesn't want... care anymore. Now that they didn't win, they, they, they let her down her, in the final, didn't, didn't she? I mean, she doesn't anything football related. Well, it's now. not like she could have got a, a Mary Earps um, kit, could she? Because they won't <laughs> sell them, will they? Um, anyway, so it's Lily's birthday. Max has passed his GCSEs. Apparently he did more than just English with Daniel. <laughs> um, and it, So they're having a big old plat celebration on Friday, which Stephen's um, trying to dodge by going to a wine tasting afternoon thing, which he really is just a, an undercover way of getting Jenny to go on a bit of a date with him. But they make a big thing about it, saying it's not a date, it's not a date. But but Jenny's definitely quite excited. Her heart's all set a flutter by being invited out to this thing by Stephen, isn't she? And um, but unfortunately, when David comes in and speaks to Stephen, says no, you do need to come along to Lily's party actually. And Jenny, there's has nothing to Lily of, would want more. Yeah, Jenny has to reluctantly agree to go along with it. So she's dragged along to this thing. I, oh, I, I'll go on. I loved how last so fair Stephen was about this because he didn't even have a card. No, I know. He was like, I better go buy a card. <laughs> I loved everything to do with this party. You got... Oh, it was fantastic. Shona with just, you know, how many lines did she have in the episode? Three or four, but completely stole the scene where she was talking oh, about her cider like... and... Well, she also kind of, when she walked in, she didn't have a line, but she mouthed like... Oh, yeah, when Jenny walks into the party, Shona's yeah. like... Oh, Always like she's just loving the gossip. But you know, me and Shona both love cider, and I will not have any more slander from Coronation Street trying to besmirch the glorious drink that is cider. (laughs) Well, you, you, Shona, and Abby can all go and share a bottle together down the precinct. Jenny's not above it. She used to be a Pom Delight girl. Well, she's in denial of this. She she tells, um, I can't remember who it was, I've not drunk cider since I was 15. Lies. You've advertised cider when you're on You must have drunk it. You've had a sly little drink of it. (laughs) <laughs> let's not pretend Jenny they also bring up in that getting ready for the party scene Audrey and her equity release that Stephen took out on the house yes. last year and Audrey thinks it's a massive scam well she's wondering she's a bit worried and everybody else is telling her no no right. Grand, just ignore it can I ask you what is going on here is, I'm not <laughs> did Stephen do the equity release I think he must have done so she's getting correspondence from them regarding this and she doesn't realise that this is actually legit and 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 David's assuring her it's all a big scam, saying don't talk to anybody on the phone about it. Mm. So this is... It's all going to come out, surely. I'd kind of forgotten that this bit of the storyline had even happened, because they are coming on a year since he took that. But what did he do with all the money? Because he was going to... I don't know. I've lost track of it. 
But at least they're bringing it up again. And, and well, they need to explain it. To I, us. I assume it's going to be explained because I, 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 I do kind of need this at the moment. I, a yeah. bit goldfishy. So anyway, me. Jenny comes in. Oh, David's comment being, "Oh, it's one up from Tim's mum," <laughs> gave, <laughs> gave me a good laugh. And um, anyway, it turns out that Jenny has a lovely time at the party. Oh, she looked like she was. She was just enjoying being around the family. She? Yeah. The plats are the be- oh, the funnest family. Yeah, because everything goes wrong, and Lily Lily spills pop over the table, and David's there mopping it up, and Shona says to Jenny, "Welcome to the family." And she, just, you're right, she just looks like kind of happy, not just that she's there on Stephen's arm, because she says, "Oh, we don't need to go to the wine tasting, do we?" I'm, no, I'm enjoying I love that this sweet. here. I thought it was really, really lovely, and just you know, is that the, probably the first time that Jenny's even had a scene in that house? Probably. What's the point of ever having her in there? But it just felt lovely. I'm this, sure. I, this is why I love it when characters who don't often have anything to do with each other they just put them in a room together and see how they how they spark and, and this one really 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 worked for me I'm sure that Jenny is perfectly content with her her situation she's got her stepdaughter Daisy living with her she's got her pub etc etc she's got great friends but um, we, we all remember her backstory was that she had a child that drowned Mm. And, and up until that point, she had a kind of really nice family life going on because she had her um, her her husband, yeah. her stepdaughter and a baby. And then it all got taken away from her. And there's probably bits of her that miss having a group of family members mm. and that kind of closeness. And she's sitting there kind of on the periphery, but she's being welcomed into the situation. And it's probably... I would love it. This would this would be my dream. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. Um, so I, I think the fact that this was brought together on Friday's episode means that Stephen and Jenny's relationship is hopefully going to be a big part of next week. I'm really excited as to where this is going because you've been talking about um, uh, Stephen being behind the bar at the Rovers as though you are the secret producer of Coronation Street. I've been and talking about this for six coming. months. Um, obviously we have no idea where this is going, but I would absolutely love it if that prediction came true and oh, Stephen just There's being no an evil landlord. particular need because every, at the moment everything seems okay for the Rovers. Although Newton and Ridley buying it doesn't necessarily solve all their problems with we don't have enough, don't have enough money, we don't have enough punters. Um, but yeah, I think that maybe he's he's going to set his sights on that. He, he He has shown before that he's interested in the money side of the Rovers and not just Jenny, but he's definitely has got the hots for... And for I want to say, good-looking couple. Yeah, I know. They look great together. <laughs> um, oh, so, hang on. No, you've just oh, scrolled what? past. What did the... I scroll past? The other thing, I, the reason why I mentioned are oh, we going to talk about the sets later yeah. is because um, I was saying that obviously the Barlows are the oldest family on the street and they really should be the, the main family. But the Platts, get way seem like they get way more family time and they're a more um iconic family of Corey because they have a bigger set than the barlows the barlows only have ken's front room yeah and that's way too small for them to film a large number of barlows in there at one it does feel a little bit cramped when they're in there sometimes but the plats they've got that knocked through kitchen front room dining room situation well, it's not knocked through it was always like that because this okay. their house was built so you much later you can see all the way through yeah but, but uh, you're right they could do that with the barlows the because barlows. they've done it with number three haven't they and suddenly the 
um, what used to be Emily's house, which always also felt very small, is suddenly open and much more conducive to having more people together in a scene. So they could do that. That would one. be a really simple way to rejuvenate the Barlows and get more Barlow scenes, is to just make the set bigger. I can't remember, like, who's still living there at the moment? Is it Tracy, Stephen, Ken are, are living together there? And, and Amy? Amy? Yeah. 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 Well, mate, I, I, I don't see anything like that happening to that house until Ken's gone. No, but I think it'd be nice to do it before Ken goes. Mm. Because I want Ken to be the heart of the Barlows and I want Barlows to be the heart of Coronation Street. But I also want to make it clear that I love the Platts and I'm really happy how many great Platt scenes we get. And the Platt family is just so fantastic. I love watching them. All of them are brilliant. I like I love all of the plats. Yeah, it was good to have them back in this. There's scene, not a sure. dud plat. I know that some people don't like Lily because she's little. I mean, I'm gonna say yeah. <laughs> but she's she you you can't you can't fault her for that because she's not had very much screen time. But even Lily, I love Lily. I think she's great. <laughs> I wish they made more about her um about her liking football uh, for her birthday. And I just want to say I did look up. You can now. Nike's done a U-turn on Mary Epps and they're now going to sell oh, her, her no, shirt. It's good. It's a travesty. I don't know what you're talking about. I know you don't. Um, right, what are we scoring this week's Coronation Street? Um, I, yeah, we, we watched it, we watched Mondays on Mondays and we, we back-to-backed Wednesday and Fridays yesterday, didn't we? Uh, I was definitely feeling a bit down about Mondays. And the other, the other two were all right. I, I think yesterday's I was the best. Fridays. I loved all the, I, I thought the Pride stuff was fun. Definitely the Ryan storyline and the Paul storyline, which were the two main ones, were what kept me most interested. I was just just left with a bit of a bad taste in my mouth with the George and Todd story and about how infantile it's getting. And I, I wasn't as engaged in the Cassie and Tyrone stuff as I thought that oh, I would I, be. I just like for this it. week, because like I said, I wanted to like Cassie mm. and this is obviously making it difficult purposefully mm. to like her. Yeah. Um, I'm going to I'm going to score this one um, three graduates from the University of Death out of five. Um, what I, about you? Well, who's your character of the? I don't know. I have. A, um, I mean, I suppose Paul is the most obvious one to go with here. But is it because I feel sorry for him, or is it? Am I saying Ryan because he's, um, you know, doing a bit? He's 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 not just sitting around wallowing in. Poverty. He's doing something about it, getting his, getting his kit off. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe even like Peter was quite good this week in the way that he handled um, Ryan's situation and, and Ryan having a go at Carla and just being very chill about it on the whole, but but stern, very like cool. you said. Um, Debbie was great. Glenda was great. Shona was fantastic on what Friday. What about Licorice Black? I, I I'm not. No, didn't even, didn't even get a line. Um, I mean, at least Pedo Van Man had a line. Yeah. Didn't he? Come into my back? Yeah. I can't remember. It's um, been so long. I am going to give Character of the Week this week to... Um, uh, I'm going to give it to... I'm going to give it to Ryan, I think. Paul was just a bit silly going off without permission. Well, not without not permission. Only permission. Without, without telling anybody. <sighs> And then there'll be probably plenty more time in the future for, for picking Paul, I'm sure. So Ryan for me. I mean, I, I enjoyed where their story's going. I'm going to give it three and a half premium subscriptions to Ryan's Ovid account. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think Ryan is, is my character of the week. He's a bit naughty, isn't he? Yeah, he, he is a bit. But he's, he's, doing, what he, he's doing what he can to, to, 
to help pay back Carla and Peter. I'm sure Carla would woes. rather not have the money and, and not be punched. Yeah. Shall we move on? Yes. Right, it's it news time now, isn't it? We're off to the cabin. There's been loads of news, well, news slash um, gossipy rumours. We're going to be covering the whole shebang this week. Um, but I would like to start off by saying congrats to Faye Brooks, who played um, Kate Connor. She just got married recently to her partner, Ewan Lewis. They got married in the Cotswolds, and um, they apparently got married after starring in Legally Blonde they on stage engaged. together. They got engaged. Engaged, sorry, yeah. They've known each other for years, but anyway... Congrats! How we sweet. always say happy, happy, weddings, happy wedding days to ex curry people or curry people that get hitched, and they have. So we won't remember you your anniversary. No, but um, congratulations. Th- th- this is an interesting one. So, um, why is it? Why is it interesting? Oh, I thought this was the voice. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is ITV's original voices, which is um, a scheme where you can um, get an internship at Coronation or well, ITV. Learning how to how the scripting works you, for uh, Emma Dale and Coronation Street. Oh, I don't know. It had a name. Original yeah. Voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the fifth time they've done this. Sometimes they do it just for Corrie, just for uh, Emma Dale. But if you um, get involved in this, then you'll be going back and forth between the two soaps. Um, so it feel it sounds like if you're interested in getting into being a scriptwriter on the soaps, this is a fantastic way of doing it. Um, and some of the current, you know full-time script writers on Coronation Street. There was like, uh, David Proud was was one of them who's, who's mentioned in the, the press release about it. He did this original voices a few years ago and now he actually properly writes scripts for Coronation Street. Um, but you can't just walk in, it can't just be anybody, can it? Because this is, not not that we would ever go for something like this, but it does seem like you need to have a bit of experience behind you despite it being an internship. So if you want to take part in this then you need to be able to have a um you need to give a script was it a 30 page script i think yeah you need to have a script already and, and you, you need, need to, to have, have been paid yeah a paid credit in script writing some way so i don't know it's a, it seems like a bit of a a difficult bar to get over if you've not had no experience in the industry no sadly not but you know if if you do have those things and you're interested they are particularly welcoming applicants from people of color or deaf disabled or neurodivergent people um and it's yeah it just sounds great it's only a short um internship it's 12 weeks um where you um learn about the story to script process you learn to you have a go at writing a shadow script alongside an existing writer and then for the rest of the year you and that writer have got you know a relationship struck up and they will help you with other other scripty endeavors that Sounds you might really be getting good. involved with um, really really love does to do this. yeah you um you, you if you're interested in getting involved you need to um get your application into ITV by the 24th of September and the placement starts in February next year um, I mean, it's one of those things that, that these, these jobs at, at ITV at Coronation Street come up, you know, not infrequently, but they all need some sort of some sort of um, backgrounds that it's they're not entry levels, are they? No. And that this is another one. I mean, it says you need a demonstra- a demonstrable passion for continuing drama. Got it. Clearly, good attention to detail. No. Massive nerd. 
Um, experience working to tight deadlines, remaining yes. calm under pressure, no. just about manage those, just about. Uh, demonstrable, demonstrable ability to reflect the rich diversity. Oh, thanks, is that the word? Of modern Britain across regions and lived experience of our viewers in Europe. Do you know what? David Proud says here if you've got something unique to say, then apply, right? And it also, you know, says um, people of colour, deaf, disabled, neurodivergent. That kind of put me off because I. I can't say any of those things apply to me. But says also here about regional, what's it called? Regions across the regions of Britain. I could represent Southerners and cider drinkers. That's unique. (laughs) That's something they're lacking in Coronation Street at the moment. I think I, they need me. I think this is this is a this is a great great opportunity for somebody, and um, and we'll be very jealous of whoever it is. Yeah, and yeah, jealous. if it, you're one, a listener, one day a, a job's going to come along that's just right up our street. But we won't be able to do the there. podcast, Michael. I don't. There's no way that I'd be able to write scripts for Coronation Street. My my talents do not lie in creative writing. But I think you'd be able to have a good shot at it. I know, but we can't do the podcast if I do this. Well, that's okay. I don't think people listening would agree with you. <laughs> oh, they'd just be really pleased that you got a job on Coronation Yeah, but they, they, some people really like the podcast. Some people. I've heard. Well, anyway, good luck if you go for that, if there's anybody listening, and I hope it goes well. Um, Sue Cleaver's been um, in, in the news-ish this mm-hmm. week. So she she put something on Instagram the other day about um, the, this, this company for keto dummies or gummies, or so she didn't even know what they were are saying that Sue Cleaver has been endorsing them and that's how she's managed to have all this weight loss over the past year. So she put on a video saying, no way, I they're all what a bunch of scammers, they're nothing to do with me. And she was absolutely livid that they're using her name to try and sell their dodgy product. She says what she's actually been doing, this is her regime, Gemma, stopping drinking and going in the jungle. So... There's, is that, that a euphemism? That's something? get yourself fit with, with Sue Cleaver, go in the jungle and stop drinking. But she says she says she has had some women's health issues as well, which have also caused a bit of late weight loss. But she says she's all fine with now, so that's good. She said um, she's she she's not happy with the way she looks at the moment. She says she she says she's chucking at the moment and is trying to put on weight. She says life's too short to worry about dieting and finding quick fixes and be happy with yourself. So yeah, I feel guilty because I I said she looked great. No, well, I think I lots of people like are saying that she looks great the at the moment. The worst human being in the world. But she, she says that she's not happy with the way that she looks, but it's whatever it is, it's not down to any, any fatty diet. And they also say like um, you should never compliment somebody on the weight loss because you never know why it is. Well, but I have to just, I wanted to defend myself quickly. I did say she looked great. I didn't say she looked skinny. Her haircut looks great and she does look, she just look good. Yeah, yeah, she does. Um, so I feel bad. I apologise to Cleaver for saying she looked nice. <laughs> sure, she's all right with it. I'm sure she 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 enjoys some of the compliments that she's been getting. Well, no, but the thing is, if you if you do lose a lot of weight and then everyone keeps saying, "Oh, you look great," you do feel like, well, you know, if, for... if she's been having some women's health well, issues no, you, that have contributed, you, you're to basically it. saying you looked awful before. Now you look fine, which is unpleasant to hear. Mm. But at the same time, we can't just never compliment anyone in case. No, case there's oh, a sinister reason. If you say like, um, oh, your makeup's looking really nice. Oh, well, thank you. I'm on my way for my corpse viewing. This is what I'm going to look like when I'm dead. <laughs> I'm just practising my corpse makeup now. That's a really insensitive thing for you to have said. What else have we had this just week? Just don't say oh. anything to anybody, just in case. That's what I say. Set this in your calendars, everybody. <laughs> Couple of weeks' time, there's not going to be a Friday Coronation Street. So on the first week of September, the first full week, we got Corrie on Monday, Wednesday, and then Thursday. But the Thursday one is at nine o'clock. 
There's not going to be a Friday episode that week because there are going to be World Cups going on. Who knew? But at least they're not cancelling Cory completely. So I think that's probably going to mean we will get an early podcast that week. We'll try and get something recorded on the Thursday night. Um, so you don't have to wait to find out what we think. Uh, I hope we win. Also this week. I don't um, know. For, when, when, it, when is it? September, beginning of September. Friday the 8th of September is when there's not going to be a Coronation Street. Okay, that's the beginning of the tournament. Right, okay. That's France versus New Zealand. Important match! (laughs) Um, There's been a couple of funny rumours and stuff in the the tabloids this week. Why are you reading all these... Gossipy well, because ones. it's because it's. I'm just looking down and seeing all these gossipy ones. It's it's it, it hopefully elicits some kind of discussion. So according to an Who insider is? between Me? between each other, yeah. According to an insider who's been speaking to the Sun, there's going to be a bloodbath across Corrie, Emmerdale, and EastEnders coming up soon, and it won't be pretty. Basically, they're saying that the soaps haven't got any money at the moment, they're having to cut their wage bills by up to 25%, and uh, those people on the cast who are coining it in with their hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of salaries better start shaking in their boots because they could be soon facing the wrath of the producer's axe. Um, anybody could be going, and, and the, 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 the papers were quoting... Not quite. We were giving various examples of actors and how much they allegedly own. I don't. Earn. We. Uh, what did I say? Own. Own. Uh, earn. I. I. You know, kind William Roach has got a fantastic. Not to believe any of that. I've got no idea if Barbara Knox is on two hundred thousand pounds and William Roach is on two hundred fifty thousand pounds alongside Jack B. Shepard. These are the figures that they always quote. I don't know where they're supposed to get these from. Um, but anyway, apparently this is all down to to ratings going down. Therefore, advertising is. Um, they're getting less with that these days. EastEnders has just built this massive new set, so they're um, got a scrap strapped for cash at the moment. But yeah, watch out, soap stars. You could be losing your job. What say you, Gemma? You know what I said, but I'm not saying any of it publicly. Why? I can't even remember what you said at the moment. I know, you never listened to me. I just, you know, I, I this is totally take it with a grain of salt sort of thing, but it's not, you know... It's it's fair to say that the soaps probably could do with a bit of a cast cull. Um, that the I think that Coronation Street's cast is too big at the moment, and I know these these actors. You know, we're talking about their jobs and their livelihoods and everything. But if we're thinking um, about the state of soap in general at the moment and how there's characters that disappear for for weeks and storylines that go off the air for for weeks and months and we don't hear anything that's going on with them, um, I I think it could do with a bit of a trimming, but. I don't think that it's going to be these characters that are on supposedly the biggest amount of monies that are going to be going soon, are they? Can you see them getting rid of William Roach because they're, you know, they're... It's too expensive. No. No. There's no way they're going to get rid of him. I I don't think that they should. He still actually plays a semi-important role in the show, and I'm well, not going to say, say he's a leading character. Significant is a good word. It, he, he is used infrequently, but to good effect, I yeah. would say. Jack P. Shepard, if he's one of the big earners as well, no way they're going to be cutting him. A lot of these, a lot of the actors they're talking about who are on big amounts of money are on big amounts of money because they've proven their worth and are popular characters. Yeah. If anything, get rid of some of the get rid of some of the smaller ones. I don't I don't want to have a conversation now about who should go and who should stay, but I, I, I if 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 there is a bloodbath coming up. Why not? Ian McLeod hasn't wanted to, to swing the axe too much and, and maybe Corrie is worse for it. I, I don't know. 
We, we will see. Speaking of axing, though, this has also come up with another story this week about Ellie Leach. So when she left Coronation Street earlier this year, it was a little bit ambiguous about whether she jumped or whether she was pushed. Um, but another story in The Sun this week was saying, oh, no, she was definitely axed. And now, bizarrely, the story, the, 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 the route that the tabloids are going with it is that Coronation Street friends and family are going to do their best to get her into the finals of Strictly Come Dancing as a apparently a as an fu to Coronation Street bosses, it's illogical. I how I don't even know how that's supposed to work. What are you? Are they supposed to be upset because she's popular? I think and they that, feel like they've missed out by getting her getting rid of her. The story the story is that the the Ellie's castmates thought she got a bit of a raw deal, which she did. I mean, she. when was it that she was sent to prison for bopping Adam over the head? Was that two, three years ago? So then she was off the screen for six to eight months or so, promised that she would be brought back into the show with something big to do, but it never really happened for her. So she, she definitely was underused, but I don't know... I, I, I don't know what you would do with, with that character, with Faye. It felt, I felt that it really... She, she had run her course, and... In soap, when characters run their course, sometimes as a as a producer, you've got to be a bit cutthroat and say, "Off you go, then, love." Don't you think? Yep. But how how on earth we're supposed to believe that Coronation Street are going to, or the, her cast members are going to get her a load of votes to get her into the final? I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to have Barbara Knox there just texting away every Saturday night. Um... It's all very silly. I said yep then, but I wasn't. I didn't really know what you said. I was just being supportive of you. I don't agree with talking about any of this. Why? It's just an interesting, silly story it's that's gossip. come up. And if any, anything else you do or don't want to talk about news-wise this week? No, you carry, you carry on. You're doing a really good job. I'm just not going to talk about any of these things. I don't get why. What about this one? Sally Wainwright, who who um, was an ex-Coronation Street writer. She's obviously big now for being the, 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 the pen behind Happy Valley. She's had her say about soaps this week, saying that um, that she stopped she stopped watching them when stories got a bit samey and a bit similar, all about romance. Certainly that happened in Coronation Street, um, or they were just a lot more obsessed with getting younger viewers and so making stories about younger people and ignoring the fact that the key audience was older than that. So she, this is somebody who, you know, knows her. Well, Sally Wainwright, just to just to make it clear, she was the writer, she's, she wrote Happy Valley. She's yeah. also worked in Coronation Street from like the early 90s right up to 1999. So she's been work, she she worked her on soaps previously. So that, so she was being asked this as part of a, a festival where she was talking about her career, and so yeah, she's I not imagine... just got, she's not just got a beer in a bonnet, but well, soaps and then got these, in a soap box. Lots of these sto- lots of these stories where so and so says something about something, it makes it sound like so whoever it is has phoned up the sun and said, "Listen to me you know about what? this." I've kept quiet about I've this. I've got a beer in my bonnet. They've usually been. It's, it's always the same as as well when. An old, uh, an ex Cory actor gets asked, "Are you going to go back on the soap?" And then they say, "Yeah or no," and then that turns into a story as though they're like, "Just, to, just to let you know, Daily Mail, I, I, still, I still have no plans to return to Coronation Street." Carry on. Um, I mean, she she says that it, getting trying to get the younger viewers in was the the last nail in the coffin for Coronation Street. Um, the argument there is that you need younger viewers. But the, the argument against that is that eventually 
if you keep focusing on one demographic, the younger people age into it. That's the only thing I can think of. There definitely has been a big push towards the youth. And, and even, you know, in the last three years, especially in McLeod has said, we've got a really great young cast here, so we're going to give them things to do, which, which is which is fair enough. I and mean, I, I don't have a massive problem with the, the young characters getting their plots, but I do think that there are some older characters and kind of middle-aged characters that are missing possibly out missing bit. out on, yeah, and, and not getting as much time in the spotlight as they probably should. Well, it's very ambiguous as to when Sally Rain Wright has stopped watching Coronation Street. Mm. So we don't know what particularly she's talking she's exactly about here talking or whether about. she might like it more now than she would do when she stopped watching it. A lot of significance gets attached to things like this and perhaps Sally Wainwright would have preferred it not to have been in the news. I don't know. Well, I'm just thinking, of you know, some of the stuff that I say on here, yeah, I'm talking to people about a specific topic in the knowledge that they are understanding of what I'm saying because they are watching the same thing I'm watching. doesn't mean that I want a, a, a newspaper or whatever to say this is what so-and-so said, in a, not that they ever would, mm. but um, some things get blown completely out of proportion. Yeah. I guess this is probably what's happened here, but, you know, it's somebody talking about Coronation Street in the news, I thought we might as well bring it up, but... I'm not going to sit here and, and, and sort of pick apart what she said. I think uh, there are things I agree with, things I don't agree with. Um, I think that it can be difficult to hear criticism about something when you're very close to it, but... A lot of what she's saying is not dissimilar to what we've said. No, no. And she obviously loves and cares about soaps because she worked on them. Mm. Whether or not she's changed her opinion about them, I don't know. Well, that's all we have to say about that. Well, you know I have strong opinions about all of these things that we've spoken about because I said them to you privately. doesn't mean (laughs) I want to talk about them publicly. But one thing I am happy to say on here is that one of the things I would be interested in Coronation Street doing is getting behind the scenes talent and I'm not saying that people involved aren't talented that's not what I mean I mean celebrities who are famous for direction or writing and I I definitely think that Coronation Street has invested wisely and has done a brilliant job of cultivating acting talent and behind the scenes talent but you can't deny that the appeal of a guest star right Mm. And, and guest stars are always an actor why don't we broaden that and make a guest star a director or a writer? Because you could get Sally Wainwright back. I don't know if you could. But you can <laughs> say to her, listen, Sal, put your money where your mouth is. Come back for a week. Write a week week's worth of stories. Then we'll advertise it as from the writer of Happy Valley. And we'll do a big thing. And we'll say, this is Sally Wainwright's that week. That quite good. Why not have a famous director? There must be loads of famous British directors who actually love Coronation Street or love the idea of Coronation Street. There are We've, we've had people, very, very, very famous celebrities, talking about their love of Coronation Street. And even if it's just nostalgia at this point, would they be prepared to come back I don't think that Corey would have that much money to pay them, but maybe that's where they can make some savings with the cast. Get rid of a few people and maybe hire some celebrity talent. Get a famous famous director on Mm. and do a week. See what they can do. Make that the appeal. That would appeal to a whole group of people who think they're too good for soaps or are snobby about soaps. Broaden the appeal of soaps into audiences that traditionally would never have watched soaps. Yeah. I just think that 
going after the young crowd quite so much is very, very risky. And yet it works in some ways. I think that there are a number of young young you know, children or young adults that are watching Coronation Street thanks to Corrie's decision to have send folk, uh, stories centred on the likes of Kelly and Nina and Seb and all that lot. Uh, but I think it probably is to the detriment of the older viewers. Um, and I think they're possibly shedding more than they're gaining. But you do have to keep young people watching. Otherwise, um, well, then, the, the, you know, you're going to lose your audience completely. But do, do young children not like watching stories about 40-year-olds? I don't know. No, not really. You don't identify with them. The point, I think, is being unsaid here is that traditionally, the way that you got into watching Corrie was you watched it with your parents. Yeah. Loads of people our age say, oh, I used to watch it with my mum and my dad, or I used to watch it around my nan's house. That doesn't feel like it exists as much as it used to. Everyone's on separate screens. Kids have their own... I feel like everyone's much more segregated, and I don't think that's an... Um, an unfair ob- ob- um, it's yeah, not an unfair observation sorry, when uh... we were little it we, we might have had a, a, a TV set in our bedrooms maybe not that was kind of like you're a bit affluent if you had that these days everyone's got a screen in their hand all the time you can be in the room while well, your parents are watching Corrie but you can be watching TikTok or YouTube or anything you're not necessarily getting that audience of children watching with their parents growing up and watching Corrie as no. adults so how do you get those people to watch Corrie? You have a bunch of young, pretty, charismatic, socially media active actors who draw people in from that age group to mm. watch them on, on TV. I don't think that's... I, I think that's an incredibly clever way of doing it and I think it is important to move with the times. And I also think that saying stories about young people don't interest older people is is wrong in some respects because the, you can say the opposite, can't you? Older people don't watch younger people. Younger people don't want to watch older people. A good but story the, is a good story, no matter the age of the characters in it, I think. Maybe, maybe I am completely different from most people or, and maybe people that are listening feel the same way as me, but... I never watch a story going, well, I can't relate to this because Nina's only mm. no, I don't 20 or whatever. But that, I guess some people... There's no denying you have an affinity to people that are more similar to yourself. Yeah. And it and as you get more specific with things, you get more specific with how much you identify with somebody. Mm. Like, all the people in the show are British at the moment, aren't they? Everybody in the show is British, so we're British, so we should all... Um, be able to uh, empathise with them. Well, they're all Northern. Okay, well, I'm not Northern, but I can still empathise with them, but I can see why people who are Northern more so. Oh, well, half the people are um, men and I'm not a man, so I can't... You know how you can just... You can keep going down and down and down until you get to a very specific group of characteristics and say, well, only only somebody who's a... Mm. a I don't know, a, a, an ex-sailor who's dating an alcoholic <laughs> can, can enjoy Peter scenes... No, yeah. not really. No, if you've got a good story at the end of the day, I think whatever the age or anything like that, or characteristics of the character, that's going to be the main draw. Which maybe that's what they should be. I don't know. The other it's thing that like the, oh, go on. Sally Wainwright was talking about was that 
the volume of episodes leads to a bit more sensationalism. Yeah, well, there's definitely a push for trying to do sensational, sensational, sensational to try and fill that time. And sometimes at the time I use it, but I know that it is a bit hollow. And what, you use what? So sometimes I enjoy it. I mean, sometimes it, it feels a bit hollow. Like, is there a particular reason why the Toya kidnap drama didn't grab us as much as some of the other, you know, Stephen drowning Rufus in a pool? <sighs> sometimes it works, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't know. I, f- I find this a bit sad to talk about. Well, let's stop talking about it then and go on to our feedback. Right, it is feedback time now. And last week on the Facebook group, thank you everybody who voted, you scored it 3.48 out of 5. All kind of ad- averaging around the same place at the moment. I, just, I, I want there to be a week that's really just puts it into Terrible. that clear four, four and a half category oh, okay. for me. I it feels like a while since there's been a week that I've been full on thrilled about and I, I, I'm looking forward. I hope there's another one coming up soon. I know we've got Super Soap Week coming up whenever it is, September, October, but I hope there's something a bit before that. But 3.48, not a bad score at all. That includes Richard, who gave four titters whilst massaging the deceased out of five. <laughs> Nancy, three and a half, good guru vibes out of five. And Liam, three and a half, little bit shot singing. Fa la 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 la. Fa la 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 la. Before we move on to our emails this week, I just want to uh, mention Chris, who sent us an email last week. And I, I completely <laughs> did a number on it by not mentioning an important part of the email. So I'm saying sorry to Chris. He was talking about recycled storylines and he'd sent a video clip of Don Brennan, which I, I, I realised as we were recording the podcast, had neglected to watch, but I was reading about it beforehand. So um, the clip that he sent was uh, Don Brennan back in the 80s, I think it was, getting um, his, his leg kind of felt up by a, a young, beautiful woman who was you know, trying to use it in the same way that Lauren thought that that's what Roy wanted and she was trying to... Oh. Um, uh... Yeah, use that because don't all men want that. Um, yeah, so Chris sent that over and uh, I didn't watch it and then the email that I read out didn't make sense. Um, so I'm sorry about that. I was very tired, that's all I can say. But it was a good clip. Um, now, George sorry, has Chris. emailed us this week saying, I was firmly 100% behind my boy Todd this week. George, George should have told Todd that their rivals were trying to poach him, although Todd probably would have still had that meeting. He might have turned them down, but George's overreaction buried that. Pun intended. What do you, I suppose we didn't talk about that and I was more focused on the childishness behind it, but was George wrong to completely... Yeah, George didn't trust Todd to um, make... To be loyal. Yeah, but it's not about loyalty. When you're not paying somebody what they could be worth some, somewhere else, like the idea that... The idea that employees should be loyal to their business only benefits capitalism (laughs) there's no reason that you should think like you know if if george ended up where he was getting no business he wouldn't he would fire get rid of todd because he'd say i can't afford to pay you wages it's the same thing isn't it why Mm. do we why do we act like employees need to be loyal to their businesses when the same's not true the other way around. I just think that George is very silly not throwing away the business card. If he didn't just want rip, Todd to find away. out about this, why did he put it in his pocket and then not do anything with it for two weeks? Honestly. I mean, there are so many so many storylines on Corrie that would be easily cleared up by just communicating um, 
there's one thing Reddit's taught me is that people need to communicate and it happens in real life just as much as it happens on Coronation Street. But, you know, George sort of said to Todd, here's this guy's business card, tell me what he tells you. Mm. And then when Todd comes back, if he says, yeah, he's going to pay me this much, then George should have thought to himself, I'm going to have to pay him that much if I want to keep him. Mm. Really, George is just being a bit cheap here. Oh, yeah, he definitely is. But then again, he probably can't afford to pay that much because he's not prepared to be a cut cutthroat about it yeah and try to upsell everybody Todd must know that he's making things very difficult for his mum at this point as well though. I don't think that either of the Eileen or Todd care about making life difficult for anybody yeah. um George continues Todd was absolutely right when he said that George needed him and not the other way around as Shuttleworth was in the dark ages before Todd plus how many awards does George have mm. I don't know maybe he just doesn't like to go on about them Maybe he's got an Oscar. <laughs> I do believe, though, that Todd will return to Shuttleworth's as either George will beg and grovel or Rest Easy will put Todd in an uncomfortable position or make him do something unethical, prompting to him to resign That's on That's a very principle. good read, George. I, I think it's going to go that way eventually, isn't it? Yeah, he's not staying at Rest Easy, no way. But anyway, for now, George is on Team Todd. Um, Gemma, what does Rebecca have to say about last week's curry? She says, first of all, fantastic to see both Evelyn and Cassie back. Both Maureen and Claire are doing a fantastic job. I loved Ruby and Hope performing Shakespeare's sister and Hope helping Ruby when she struggled during her solo. More sisterly struggles between Hope and Ruby, please, although I'm kind of glad they've been packed off to Norfolk before term time... Term time. Starts again. (laughs) Maureen Lippman did go off just after Kelly left in September last year, so maybe September excuse was I going to see Cassie and it's true after all. Salt and vinegar is green packet and salt and vinegar always wins. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I said. Rebecca... I thought we were friends. <laughs> also, Kevin is, a, is an 80s guy, so he'll prefer prawn cocktail. I really hope Abby gets connected with Cassie regarding the drugs, as it just makes sense. I'm afraid to say it, but Peter is on Stephen's hit list, with Peter being so petty and not accepting Stephen's apology. Also, Carla saying she can only trust Stephen is a giant red flag. No, Carla, don't trust Stephen. When Stephen threw the tie pin down to the grate, it reminded me of when Jeff threw Elaine's SIM card down the grate. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, lots of, you just, just throw it away down the drain. <laughs> Don't do that because you'll kill turtles. Um, yes, there was, wasn't enough Henry. We need more Henry. Also, keep that Ronnie Bailey away from the Rovers, although I wouldn't mind him and Debbie buying it. But he needs to stay away from Jenny. I wouldn't mind Henry losing his money, though. That would be quite fun seeing Henry destitute. Maybe he'll have to do, maybe he'll have to do an Ovids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, There's definitely would people like would like that, yeah. Uh, Rebecca says, also, I love Ed being all moralistic. He's definitely the better Bailey brother. As much as I understand why Lauren did what she did to Roy, it was pretty icky. Although Shona saying she'd never come on to Roy and she has a brain injury makes me laugh. (laughs) I still think she might frame Sabrina for something. But then the truth comes out. I'd rather Lauren just left, but I can see her being the next waif or bad girl come good. Finally, enjoyed the filler Ryan stuff and I agree. I bet he tries to hit somebody. Character of the week is Evelyn, and I give the week three and a half times. Hope called Cassie Grandma Cass out of five. Ah, thanks, Rebecca. And finally, we have got our email from Nancy, who says, I love the Evelyn and Cassie scenes this week. After listening to the pair of them, I feel the truth that Tyrone needs to hear is somewhere in between. I hope that Cassie genuinely cares about Tyrone and is not just using him to hurt Evelyn, though. It will be good if Tyrone asks for her help before he gets hurt. Um, I hope Cassie gets the help she needs. Um, yeah, how much of this is just Cassie trying to have her revenge on Evelyn? No. 
It would take somebody Cassie's pretty petty just revenge. to come back just to do that. Oh, I don't think mm. that may... I think that I think that's a, that's a kind of fictional thing. I don't know that people do that in real life. No. But then Coronation Street isn't real. Oh, what? I have a feeling that Lou did realise the hotel key was missing, which is why she accused Stephen of stealing the tie-in. Yeah. Maybe Carla will team up with Lou to figure out what happened to Rufus. I don't think I can't, Carla cares I can't, about Rufus. I, don't, I can't see Carla and Lou teaming up at any time soon. I don't think anybody but except Lou the... thinks that anything but an overdose happened to Rufus. Yeah. I mean, is, that, is that corner of the story over now? Is the tie-in down the drain saying... Don't worry about that. That's all tied it, up neatly. Uh, um, I mean, Lou's still a lingering presence in that Carl and Peter are trying to pay her back. It's all got to come out sometime, but maybe it's not going to be through this story. I don't know. Um, Nancy says, Ronnie's going to get himself into trouble if he buys Newton and Ridley stock. I think Gemma's going to find out about Philip's deal and tell Jenny and Henry. Yeah, that's a good point. Are we going to have Jen- uh, Gemma being in her PA-ly duties? Oh. Is she going to overhear a business meeting? Because we, the last we saw of her doing her PAing was coming up to two weeks now, and the Rovers deal hadn't been mentioned in a meeting. Has it still not been mentioned in a meeting? Well, yeah, and we haven't had Henry all week. No, um, but I, I suppose if Philip is having his meeting with Mr... Um, whatever his name was, in the hotel. It must be hush-hush. Yeah, for the time being. And if Henry's not involved at all, then maybe there's no reason for Gemma to be, but if she's working at the brewery, it's not out of the question that she coincidentally overhears something. So, yeah, maybe you could be onto something there. Um, The Roy and Lauren scenes were handled well. I have to wonder how she will act if Alia or Yasmin see her about. And I wonder if Lauren will get in trouble because she's staying at the salon. (laughs) Remember that? Has has anyone been get their hair cut this week? Because I don't know what Lauren's been up to. She's been in a very good hiding place there. Yeah, that's been kind of put to bed for a little while, hasn't it? A bit odd. Okay. Um, I mean, got Max. Max got a bit of a um, a couple of lines in yesterday's episodes. So maybe that story's going to be back next week. I don't know. Um, I just want them to hurry up and get rid of Lauren. Really, I give this week's no. episodes three and a half. Good vibe gurus out of five. Character of the week is Cassie. But a shout out to Todd. Slough. Why do you keep saying Slough? Shout out to Slough. Why? Because it's our catchphrase. Is it? Yeah. I don't get it. Um, that's it for this week's podcast. Hope it was worth. Hope it was worth the wait. Sorry again that it's been a bit late. It's, it's not been too bad, has it? Uh, definitely feel more refreshed recording it today than I would have done last night. We were in bed by what eleven o'clock last night, weren't we? I heard of. L- little bit early for us, um, guys. If you would like to send us an email to feature in the feedback section or just tell us your thoughts, then we're at conversationstreet at gmail We are also on iTunes. Give us a review. We're on Instagram. We're on X. We're on Spotify, we're on Ovid, <laughs> we're, on, <laughs> we're on Facebook, YouTube, Patreon. Email us don't, if you want us to be on Ovids. Don't forget to um, check out our Corrie map make that we will put make, out this week if you're interested in knowing where things in Corrie were filmed and you'd like to go and visit them as well. Make your subject header your bid. Yeah. And then we'll decide whether to whether join to or not. to open it or not. Um, so that's it, that is it. And we'll be back this time next week. Um, I guess if you're a patron, we'll be doing a Patreon episode before next week because Uh-oh. end of August is rapidly approaching. I don't know what that's going to be yet, but I guess we'll be talking about that over Top the next five 24 Ovid hours videos or so. From Ryan. Um, I think we will leave it there. So, goodbye. Gemma, say goodbye. Waterproof we're not, we're not doing our sitting here for two minutes in silence like Cassie and Tyro. That doesn't work if you're doing a podcast. Bye.
Bye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. <laughs> <laughs>